0: glad we're playing this because you mentioned it on the show yesterday and obviously I did the thing that was obviously going to happen. I put on my Credence Clearwater Revival Essentials playlist in the car and was rocking out for the better part of an hour.
1: I do not think that there is a better this is dating ourselves but I don't think there's a better album than That CCR Greatest Hits, which used to be two-parter for the car. That's the best driving. Yep. If you could pick one thing ever, and you would have to pick something that's two CDs or two albums or however the hell you want to put it. If you could pick one for your car for the rest of your life, and you didn't choose that CCR Greatest Hits, you made the most aggressively bad mistake of your life.
0: Yep. No, it's, it's so true. And it's great driving music. And, it's uh, the
1: best. There's nothing better than driving in the summertime, windows down, yeah. that CC, CCR playing in a car. That's well, summer.
0: Here's what you have to do if you listen to Looking Out My Back Door: you have to slam on the roof of your car. <laughs> yeah. <at> the, <laughs> yeah you <laughs> like absolutely the big Lebowski. Yes. Uh, of course. As that song is cranking up. But yeah, um, it is a big night. Biggest night in woof better part of 25 years for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Expectations at an all time high. Game one. Leafs. Habs. They better crush them. Uh, or else it'll be a very nervous show <laughs> they tomorrow.
1: Crush them. I am so excited to have stakes back in this city. And do you remember last year when I said. I actually kind of hated that the Leafs were in, and I wasn't so upset that the Leafs were out just because the Raptors deserved our attention.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That's sneaky how I feel this year in reverse, Mm -hmm. where I thought, hey, you know, it's weird not having the Raptors in the playoffs, but I'm good with it right now because I can funnel all my attention to the Maple Leafs team that unequivocally deserves... Our attention. They were dominant all season long. They whooped ass in a regular season where they were expected to whoop ass, and now it's put up or shut up time. This is it. This is it for this core. This is a real moment for Kyle Dubas's Toronto Maple Leafs, where they are the heavy, heavy favorites going into a postseason that we've been waiting for months to res- or to to get going. And I'm sitting here today with a mix of excitement. Anxiety, but I'll say this too. I'm a little nervous after watching yesterday's 100%. North Division playoff game. Just a little touch of the nerves. I don't know how I don't know how many texts I got last night from people. And I'm really not trying to name drop or do it, but like former players, some people who were around the game, just fans, whatever about how difficult it was to watch hockey no fans and how hard it was to pivot. Part of it was definitely that that game also sucked and those teams also sucked and that it was low <laughs> event hockey and the first period was an absolute <laughs> woof. But that not not once did that Oilers game feel like there were stakes. It it just felt like, "Oh, okay, these guys this is it yep. You could have watched Flames Canucks earlier and then that and you wouldn't have known that one was a playoff game and one was not."
0: Uh, I couldn't agree more. And I don't know what to, to make of that, because it does take you back to the bubble, and you're like, how were these teams able to create an atmosphere? Well, one, they weren't all that successful at creating it. But two, they did try and get a little bit physical at the beginning of these games. And like I mentioned, there was a fight, like, within the first minute of the first game within the bubble. Didn't really do it. But that's what they tried to do, creating their own atmosphere. Two, I think about the the franchise history surrounding the Toronto Maple Leafs and what a slow start might feel if there were fans in the stands like say they gave up the first goal and what if it's a Mm -hmm. bad goal what the collective group think would have done to that atmosphere and at least you won't have that so that's a positive you won't have the building positive energy but the negative energy won't be there either
1: I don't know how you could ever make the case that no fans is not yet another advantage for the Maple Leafs.
0: Yep. It is.
1: If you've ever been to a hockey game at the Bell Centre and you've been to a game at Scotiabank Arena and you think that that's like a remotely close experience, Mm-mm. I I don't I have nothing to say to you. I don't I would just say what happened at that game at the Bell Centre where they well, what happened? Because it's, it's the best environment in the NHL. Although I'm starting to think Carolina Hurricanes fans are just like oh start to make a sneaky stake for this. I have a hot take about American sports fans, by the way. Like especially Southern sports fans. I'll share it later. This is not the time. But the energy in the Bell Center is unequivocally way better than the energy that it is here. It's just I'm sorry. I love Toronto and I like – want the Leafs to win. And I think that the Leafs fans are great, that the Leafs have terrific fans. They're annoying a lot of the times, but even still, it's a good fan base. But no, the buildings are not the same. But also, you're right, that that with all the pressure, you could see it in that Florida game, game two against the Lightning, where the Lightning score really, really quickly. And I thought it sapped Florida of a lot. That the crowd went silent, and there's also an acclimation period not only to the juices of having fans in the building, there's an acclimation period to the anxieties of having fans in the building and the way that that seeps in onto the ice. So, no, you're right. I, I do believe that every advantage that Toronto could possibly have is they have it. Montreal's goaltender is working his way back from injury, and he's the best case they have to win a series. Montreal's not playing one of their scariest forwards tonight in Cole Caulfield. Mm -hmm. Toronto is the deeper team. Toronto is the more talented team. They have the best player. They probably have – I was thinking about this last night. How many guys would you have to go down the Leafs roster before you would get a Habs player if we were doing the best player debates?
0: Well, I mean, Weber would be there at some point if he's fully healthy, which he appears to be. Uh he's taking the big clappers in, in practice. But yeah, it's it's um it's a ways. You're going probably four deep at least before you get to him. But yeah, there is really no case to be made that given a normal set of circumstances and everything being laid out during this series that it should be close. But we've been saying that for forever. And the only thing that could have thrown a wrench, wrench into, the, into the entire equation, and it still might if it gets to a Game 6, are external factors, like fans, like emotions, like nervousness about being in a situation that you're not expecting to be in and then feeling the anxiety of 50-plus years of angst in this fan base. But to remove that, Another external factor, we're getting more just to the nuts and bolts of roster configuration and just straight-up hockey versus hockey. Couldn't ask for anything better if you're a Leaf.
1: Yeah, so when we were coming into this regular season, you had said style points matter. Mm-hmm. Style points matter, style points matter. Obviously, they matter less. Right now, the result is ultimately – and and even when we're talking about uh, style points – I would just say to people, remember that the Toronto Raptors could not have looked worse against the Philadelphia 76ers on their run to a championship. They could not have looked worse in their first game against the Orlando Magic on their way to a championship. So if the Leafs lose this game or something bad happens or they slog their way through, you and I are going to be harsh because that's what we do. We're going to react in the moment. We're going to say how we feel. But... Style points matter less, let's just say. However, it matters some. It just matters some in terms of how I'm going to feel about their ceiling, right? Because if they really can't handle the Habs very quickly, if they go to Montreal for a game six and they have to play in front of those 2,500 people and they're in any kind of a pressure situation where they just have not been able to score goals, Montreal is playing, is playing more physical, they're getting in Toronto's heads then I'm going to start to worry about the prospect of winning a Stanley Cup. Because for me, that's, that's becoming more the question, and I, I don't want to look ahead of the series. We're going to do this series today, but the bigger question for me when I'm watching these playoffs so far is, okay, now that we're seeing the best-on-best best and high-pressure games, and then we got the first one between the Oilers and the Jets, is there actually a a pretty sizable gap between the competition the Leafs faced and everybody else? Everyone had bad teams, Mm -hmm. but I think it's becoming pretty clear that no other division was even close in terms of the top team and the gap between them to the next team.
0: Yep. If you've been paying attention to the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, there's a lot of good teams and a lot of teams... Uh, how many teams look better than the Oilers and Jets? I would say all of them to this point, and a lot of them look better than the Leafs have looked at. I think the Predators this season. The,
1: the Predators are the only team in the playoffs that you would say maybe is not better, and they got what 56 shots on net. Right. Like they need, like so. Yeah. 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 No.
0: Uh, the rest of the <laughs> NHL turns out. The rest of the National Hockey League, quite good. Uh, at least appear to be. And and we'll see when they face whoever gets out of the North Division. But, yeah, as far as the style points thing, so I, I, I quibbled with you a little bit on it yesterday. I think you're parsing, or I'm parsing when we talk about style points. Does it matter if they win by, like, two or three goals? I would say no. But if they win a one-goal hockey game and control possession, like, to me, that's style points. Like, what are you talking about when you say style points?
1: No, that's fine. Yeah, dude, of course. Team Canada won the Sochi Olympics not by racking up a ton of goals, but they were the most dominant hockey team I've ever seen, where it never really felt like it was in doubt, other than five seconds against Latvia. So, no, I I don't think that... They need to be ripping up score sheets, but they have to look dominant, and they have to basically at the end of the game, you have to know definitively that they didn't get lucky, that it didn't require just an Austin Matthews uh, wrist shot that went in that Montreal couldn't get some guys to do it. Like, yeah, no, Toronto's got to be the better team here, man. They're the better team. They're at a different point in the competitive cycle. There's way more pressure on them. They loaded up this season to win, right? Like, this is a all-in to win season. So... You lose to Montreal, not tonight, but in this series. And it's a doomsday scenario where you're left scrambling looking for answers. And frankly, everybody had a theory last year about the blue line needing to be better and the toughness needing to be there. And I don't know where you go if the Leafs get bounced by Montreal in this first round. Like it becomes very, very murky and it becomes very, very ugly. So there's tons of pressure. I love the Sandine decision. Looks like Sandine is going to get in the lineup and play with Bogosian. I, I've been advocating for this for about a month now. Dermott just is not better than that guy, and he also doesn't have a future with this team. Uh, he'd be a great seventh defenseman to keep around. I like Travis Dermott. I think he's had a very good season. This is not about him being not good. This is about Rasmus Sandine being better and providing uh, a wider variety of potential situations that he can play in and providing more offense on that power play
0: he's going to start on power play one Mm -hmm. Yep. and was getting reps when they were practicing six on fives over Mm -hmm. the last couple of days in practices. Like he is in a lot of ways already leapfrogged Morgan Riley in importance in crucial spots in these hockey games. If the practices are any indication, like he is massively important. We're being told, right? I know. It's 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 wild, but that's what we're being told. So yeah, but he's it's really it seems good. Like it's a, it, I, he definitely he's really is good. Really that's good. the thing. The Leafs haven't played in forever. He hasn't played in even longer though, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is wild.
1: I want to ask some of our guests that today as well, which is that these teams haven't played in six and eight days. Yeah, and yeah, whether we might see it be a little sloppy or we meet, might see it be a little slow, no fans and a long layoff. Is, is a little scary. Who do you think we, – we did who has the most pressure with Bourne. Mm-hmm. We we jumped around on Monday and discussed the guys who mm-hmm. are out there. But it really does feel like this game, when I'm thinking about key pivotal figures that are going into tonight, it's Jack Campbell number one that he needs to perform and he can't be letting in soft goals, right? Mm-hmm. That he can't have the Tristan Jari game from game one and that that sewered the Penguins. That it's Morgan Riley to not be making mistakes and putting him in vulnerable positions. And it's Tavares and Matthews and their ability to dominate. Like, those are my three biggest, uh, I, I kind of put Tavares and Matthews as one guy, which isn't fair, but they're really supposed to at least be dominating to me and, and providing offense throughout it. Is there somebody else who you're like really focused on tonight?
0: No, that's it. It's it's And it's Matthews. And I guess you can talk about pressure being on Matthews, but he's performed. He has mm-hmm. been the best Leaf player in the postseason since he arrived, save for like maybe that first one when Marner was was awesome, awesome, awesome. And he
1: loves Carey Price. Carey Price is his favorite.
0: He loves. Montreal Austin Canadians Matthews has no him, idea
1: though. that that Carey Price is like one of the greatest goaltenders who ever played. He's like
0: that guy's a Hall of Famer, right? That's interesting. That guy, huh? Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Ah, right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's like what, um, that's like when LeBron was like, "Did Rose made All Star teams?" Uh-huh. <laughs> like, or Raptors fans with Nikola Vucevic, where they're like, "That yep. guy." They gave up what for Nikola Vucevic? He's like like Chris Boucher light, no? (laughs)
0: So yeah, it's those two lines that have to score. And We've done this with CJ before about how top-heavy even the Lightning were last year during their playoff run. Uh, And we talk about the the acquisitions they made at the deadline to be harder to play against than that really impressive-looking third line. Didn't do a lot of scoring. Mm -hmm. And Riley Nash is going to make his Leafs debut taking all the defensive zone face-offs you'd like. (laughs) <laughs> it's like took 95 percent of the defensive dro- zone draws, or he was on the ice for 95 percent of the defensive d- zone draws during their playoff run a season ago. The Blue Jackets, so that's his job. Just be the punt line, mm-hmm. fourth line. They're going to get some offensive draws, but yeah, we know they're going to play ten minutes or fewer. It's mm-hmm. Matthews and the Tavares line have to score.
1: Yeah, and so he's
0: he's done it all season long. So there's no reason to believe he wouldn't.
1: This is something that's been a little overlooked to me, which is, okay, Toronto obviously loaded up one line last year, so depth scoring was even a bigger problem against Columbus because they put all three of the best guys on one line. And, and it was cooking, all by but himself. they couldn't score. Right. They put William Nylander by himself, and then in an the elimination game, he was playing center, and it just it didn't, didn't really work out. Kasperi Kapanen and Andreas Janssen... Who were supposed to be the like middle tier, awesome skill guys down the lineup didn't work out for them. Leafs have like they have a third line where they're just saying it's a punt line. They're taking Riley Nash off IL and saying go out there like, you don't need to have chemistry with anybody because we don't expect you to do anything offensively. Go out there and punt. And then you have a line that, yes, I do think will provide some offense, but Wayne Simmons has not been the same guy five on five since he came back from the injury. Jason Spezza, I think, is a bona fide stud. And Thornton said's up and had his ups and downs this year, but I don't know how much offense you're asking those guys to provide you. Like I think it's a the odd goal, right? The odd goal is great, but those guys are still more like, when I think about their offensive production, it's more... Hey, can you guys contribute to power play too? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I, I thought it was just a little overlooked that we're heading into this series where last year there was this massive conversation about the least needing more scoring, secondary scoring, scoring down the lineup, who's going to provide it. And now you're looking at a group where, hey, you know, maybe I don't think that they're going to be asking the Ellen Mikheyev and Riley Nash pairing to score. And we'll see how much that fourth line can handle. And especially as this thing goes deeper and deeper and deeper. Uh, we've got tons on Leafs today. We've got Patrick Lulim, uh former NHL goaltender analyst for TVA, uh, coming up to talk about the Hab side of things. We've got CJ. We've got uh, Edge, Adam yeah. Copeland, Fan Angle. Um, yeah, God, I actually, accidentally
0: I, I accidentally called him the Edge once, interviewing him at a at a Blue Jays game. That was yeah, embarrassing.
1: Yeah, that yeah, is right. embarrassing. He's like, I'm that not is. an
0: old fat guy who wears a top hat.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, we got Nick Kiprios and then uh, Stumpy, Steve Thomas, Markham legend.
0: Emotions running high before even puck drop for tonight's game one. Carey Price returning to duty in practice the other days. Letting in a goal, smoked his goalie stick on the post, smashed it in half. It's angry. Uh, he is going to start Game 1 for the Montreal Canadiens, as well. basically every single injured Montreal Canadian, Brendan Gallagher, Shea Weber. They're all going to be there. Uh, let's talk to uh, Patrick Laleem, former NHL goaltender, analyst for TVA uh on the line right now. How's it going, Patrick?
2: I'm doing great, guys. Great day for hockey, isn't it?
1: Oh, it's so good, man. Again, i it's weird, but you say things like, I've been waiting my whole life for this, and this is an actual application of that.
2: I agree I can't wait either
1: the two cities the whole country like there's so many Toronto fans everywhere and Canadians it's gonna be awesome I know man and I I'm just really I I know we've probably overstated this at times but Throughout all this pandemic, it, it has felt like okay, well, what are the things that are gonna bring people together? Are there gonna be communal experiences? And I you know, we can't be at the stadiums right now, although Montreal fans should be at least twenty five hundred of you if there's a game six. But yeah, this does really feel like a moment that if this is an interesting series, if this is a good series, is gonna captivate a lot of people. And yeah, it's gonna be something that gets remembered for a very, very long time. So let's just start with this man. Carrie Price, Ben said it, frustration at practice given up a couple of goals in the only AHL start that he gets before this thing gets underway. He's a guy who historically is not the quickest to look like himself after he's had an injury. Where are you at with just from a goaltender's perspective on what you expect from Carey Price and and what he needs to do in this series coming off of an injury?
2: Well, uh, I know it's been a while since he's played. uh, But uh, to me, the the two periods he had in the minors, uh, I'm speaking for myself as a goalie, but I think it it was great at some point just to get the routine back. Sometimes uh, when you play, you just need to get the routine. You just need a feel good uh, moment. And after he let in those two goals, I thought he played Pretty good, and he looked comfortable. So that's what you want as a goalie. You want to clear your mind. Okay, it's been a while; I haven't played. I just want to get a feel, a good feeling. Although in practice yesterday, like you said, it didn't look like a good feeling. But I don't mind about that. Like I think emotions are part of it. You better get rid of them instead of building it inside and uh, just be ready for the moment. You know, I think uh he's got enough in his backpack. He's got enough enough experience that. Uh, Whenever called upon, we saw it last year in the playoffs, you know, after a long layoff, he came in and he played very well against Pittsburgh in the playoffs. So uh, I expect, even if he hasn't played a lot, I expect him to be very good in this series. He has to be.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, uh, a scenario that frightens Toronto Maple Leafs fans. I would say it's the number one scenario where things go a little bit haywire. Right, and Leaf fans play yeah. out the, the nightmare scenario in their minds. It's it's Carey Price steals this series for the Montreal Canadiens. Is there another scenario? Like, what's the second most likely scenario for the Montreal Canadiens to win this series?
2: Uh, well, you, you certainly you'll need Price for sure. For the rest, I think you'll just need to you know be in the Matthews face and Marner's face, uh, time and space against those guys a little bit like we saw yesterday uh, with the Jets and uh, Connor McDavid. You know. Uh, the Denault line is going to have a huge role for Montreal. They're going to. If Montreal wins this series, it's going to be by committee. They'll uh, they'll have to be very disciplined in the way they play with and without the puck. And uh, the, to me, the, the number one word for Montreal to win is commitment. It'll have to be from everybody in this lineup, and uh, every shift, every uh, time you're on the ice, it's going to be a challenge against uh, Toronto on the other side. And and I think uh, the 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 chance maybe it's at the other end, you know, with uh, with Campbell. I know he's been great and and uh, in, uh, in Toronto this year, uh, his numbers are there. He deserved to be the starter, but I think that's that's a place where Montreal can exploit the least as well
1: and uh, see what he's made of and uh, during those crunch time. Yeah, if Montreal wins, I'm starting to feel more like it's not going to be Carey Price and it's going to be more exactly what you said where we're going man, Philip Deneau was incredible (laughs) defensively and Brennan Gallagher was just Brennan Gallagher where it's just winning shift after winning shift and getting under guys skins and banging home timely goals and like that's the scenario and I think the Habs believe that's the scenario because there's no Kotkaniemi there's no Caulfield, there's no Romanov like they've taken a lot of skill out of the lineup and Really seem to be rolling the dice more on, hey, we're going to be physical. We're going to be, we're going to try to slow this game down. We're going to try to replicate some of what Columbus did last season to you. I just don't know if Montreal has that level of talent to do that or if Toronto doesn't have enough that's going to be able to overwhelm it. And that's what I keep coming back to is like, yes, Montreal, maybe that is your best chance, but Toronto is just, it's a different team this year. But you mentioned the Jack Campbell thing. So, I think there's a lot to that. It's an unproven guy, and there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders. And I wonder what you think he's dealing with right now as a goaltender where this is history, this is the two biggest markets in the NHL, this is the Leafs at the top of the top of their competitive cycle and of their expectations. And here you have a guy that is unproven stepping into a playoff series Is there anything you're going to look for with him? Is there any approach that you think Montreal should be taking with a guy like that? Like, how are you feeling about Jack Campbell and the strategy against him and his just mental state heading into a game like this?
2: Well, uh, first of all, if he's thinking about all that stuff, all the pressure that's there already, I think that's not going to help him. You just got to think about uh, what he did during this year, you know, and keep it simple in his mind. You know, just another game, although it is not and i just gotta show up and do my best i think uh, uh the difference for me you know compared to the regular season is anderson wasn't there so wh- every time he played you know nothing to take away from Hutchinson. but it's not like you had the number one guy sitting on the bench waiting to get a spot back you know mm-hmm. and uh there's a different kind of uh, pressure. There's a different approach in your head sometimes just to say, okay, I, they need me, I'm the guy, there's nobody else. That's all, kind of how you look at it. Now there's Freddie Anderson on the bench who's waiting to get back in there. And I'm looking forward to see how he's going to handle that. You know, if he landed a back goal, if he, if he's going to uh, turn the page right away, if he's going to stay sharp in his mind and handle the situation like, like he has, and uh, for Montreal, I mean, there's uh, there's a guy with no exper- playoffs experience. Uh, although he's been great, uh, he had great numbers through his career. He's a very good goalie. I think you still got to be in front of him. You know, playoff hockey is about being in front of the goalie, being there for rebounds. Guys like Perry, guys like Anderson, Gallagher, uh, that's their, their, their brand. That's what they're going to have to do. And they're going to have to throw pucks at net. The worst thing for a goalie is always those screenshots. You know, you, you can't really practice those. Uh, and in playoffs, that's where, what you see a lot. So the, I'm going to look forward to see how he's going to battle through it, all that stuff because that's what Montreal is going to bring to him.
1: So we've already gone over at great detail how anxious Leaf fans are. And there's like a lot of false bravado right now because they've been so dominant in the regular season. But I'll just speak for myself personally. It's like the idea of them being in this spot where they are so heavily favored in a series against maybe not a rival in a hockey sense, but certainly for like if you're my age, I think if you're your age, if you're Ben's age, that it's like you know more people who are either Habs or Leafs fans than anything else. And like all my best friends are Habs fans. So like maybe this is overly personalized where it's like the stakes are incredibly high here. Like Leafs lose this thing and the franchise goes into a tailspin where they don't know what to do, everybody's jobs are on the line, fans are going to eat it forever because they have this regular season and basically the entire NHL is going to mock them all these different things. Montreal's is a little different. I I get the sense that like of course Montreal never wants to lose to Toronto because of that fan stake element, the 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 chirping element, but what do you think the actual like hockey implications are? What do you think the actual stakes of of a loss to Toronto, especially if it goes the way that Vegas expects it to go, how that's going to have a ripple effect to Montreal?
2: Well, to uh, take Marc Bergevin's word in the beginning of the year, what he said with the team he had, he said we expect to make damage in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. he, he set the bar pretty high, although they had a lot of injuries. Uh, I still think they believed they can win this series and they can do some damage. But to me, if they lose in the first round, you know, there'll be change for sure in Montreal. Uh, I mean, uh, when, when your expectations are high at some point, uh, someone has to pay, but we're not there yet. But uh, uh, it's going to be something that's going to happen. If they lose, for sure, something's going to happen. I'm not saying Marc Bergervin uh, is not going to be back because I think he did a great job, you know, tried to... Uh, to uh, to, to get a good team on the ice. And that all came down because of last year's playoffs. Montreal wasn't supposed to be in. They were in. And all of a sudden they won a series and they're like, okay, so maybe if we had a few pieces, uh, you know, that, that kind of changed the whole the whole plan at some point. But uh, they sure did add pieces and they, they expect to win in Montreal, like having everybody LT. And uh, although we'll be honest, like Toronto – to me, uh, the last few years in the playoffs, you surely expect that uh, they, they learn from that. and they, They're not the same team they were before to me. They, they're a well-rounded team. Guys accepted their role a little more, I thought, this year, uh, playing the hard way defensively. That's the big surprise for me, the way they, they were able to handle it defensively. And hopefully, that's, uh, for Toronto fans, that's what they'll carry in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, not a lot of warning signs if it doesn't go well for the Leafs this season because uh, the regular season was exactly what we hoped it would be coming off last year's disappointment. Patrick, uh, appreciate the time tremendously. Enjoy the game tonight.
2: Yes, thank you, guys. Have fun. Thanks, man. All right, you
0: too. Patrick Lulim, former NHL goaltender, analyst for TVS4. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm not with you. I, I think it has to be Carey Price steals this thing. Like, that's the, that's the way. That's how it's going down. It's the only way that the Montreal Canadiens come away with a series victory here.
1: Yeah, I, I'm i sorry, but when Montreal is at their best, it's because they want to play low-event hockey. Mm-hmm. And if they can do that, and what if, this was the reason why I was most afraid of Montreal earlier in the season, is that I don't think that there's another team in the North Division – that can get Toronto to play their style of a game, quite like Montreal showed that they could. Even Winnipeg, like, that's the team with the goaltender where you feel like he could steal a series more than Carey Price to me anyways. At this point in his career, that's the way it feels. And I know I keep putting hexes on the Leafs. I don't even want to do... This is the worst part of my day (laughs) is that I knew (laughs) I woke up today and all I thought was, hey, man... Just don't curse the Leafs today, you know. Like, just don't do it. Don't do what you've done your whole life and curse this team with your fan it. I, I just want everyone to know out there that it is my fault that this team has lost, even from before I was born. You know, it's just it's it's just the thing. No, it is. But yeah, you're right. To get back to the the series, if Montreal can do that, if like that's why the matchup of the series is DeNoe versus Matthews. It's not Price versus. Jack Campbell, and of course those guys have ridiculously big stakes, but no, it's Deneau, who is Montreal's most important forward in the series. And Austin Matthews is Toronto's. And those guys are going to play together, head-to-head, the entire time. And if Deneau can get the better of him, Montreal has a shot. And if Matthews is Matthews, the series is over because he's going to rip five goals maybe in four games. So, yeah, that's it to me, is who can impose their style of play. Toronto is more comfortable playing in a tight game, but I still think that that is a real benefit to Montreal that they say, okay, that's cool. We just need a bounce. And that's why Toronto, again, it just the dominance is going to be important here. If they can go out and dominate game one, this is. I, I know we always say, what, game one is the most important, and then if a series is tied, 1-1, game three. That's always the way it feels outside of a game seven, obviously. It just feels massive tonight. This feels like Montreal's only shot is to win this game. Like, I don't think Montreal can win the series without winning this game.
0: Well, especially when they're doing the thing, they're doing the Paul Maurice thing when the Leafs played the Jets during the regular season and sitting Connor Hellebuck in an important mm-hmm. game and then bringing him back for the next one. That's That kind of feels like the Dominic Ducharme thing where it's like, Cole Caulfield out for game one. Oh, we snuck the one out, did we? And guess what? Here comes the best score in college hockey they're not messing with the
1: lineup if they win a game buddy
0: possibly not uh you know what it might be then something they can do if they lose game one they can be like well yeah we didn't have our best lineup out there anyways a lot of different scenarios a lot of ins outs and what have yous and to get into more of those joe osborne of odd shark as uh we do every thursday we talk to him what's going on joe
3: Hey, fellas, uh, not much, just digging in, to trying to find some a little bit of value on the Leafs in this series because, as we know, they're a pretty big favorite there, minus 335 to win the series. But, of course, you can bet on anything these days, and there's a ton of different props out there. So if you're looking to make a series-long bet on the Leafs, you can look at they have exact results up, the odds on that. So Leafs to win the series 4-1, plus 285 four two plus three sixty five, a sweep plus four fifty, and series to go to seven and Leaps to win in seven also plus four fifty. The best bet though, I think, for a series long bet, you know, kind of reduce your risk a little bit. So there's a series handicap and you can get the Leafs at minus one and a half games. So what this means is the Leafs have to win the series and win it in at least six games. That's available at minus one fifty, so not bad odds on that.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. My only, the the, the long-shot guy in me just says, well, if I'm going to bet that, I'd rather bet the the series outcome exactly just because of the massive swing in value. But this is one that's always tricky when you look at these series. Because you're right, man. The Leafs' value for, for gamblers is just, if you're from this province or if you cheer for this team, it's impossible to bet the Leafs on anything other than maybe a uh, regulation win. Regulation money line, I think, is still somewhere between, like, Minus one twenty and minus one fifty, but yeah. If we think it's going to be a short series, it always makes it a little trickier when we're looking at totals. Like, are you leaning at any player props for this series? With when it comes to unders or overs, like, is the outcome or the massive favorite uh, nature of the Leafs making you play anything a certain way? Uh,
3: I'll probably be looking at the in regulation. That for them tonight, which I'm seeing here at minus 125. Yeah. And the reason being is the team is just playing, going completely opposite directions. Like you look at the last 10 games overall, gold differential, Leafs up there at plus 15, pretty good, Montreal minus 8. Then you get into some analytics, high danger chances, you look at the differential, Leafs plus 45, really good, Montreal minus 24. So, Going in completely different directions and to get a little bit of value, you know, I I do expect the Leafs to get to W tonight. All the pressure is on them, though, kind of. But minus 125, not bad odds right there. But it's kind of funny, right, with the NHL playoffs. It's not always the best team on paper, right? It's not always the best seed. Like, you look at uh, the Edmonton-Winnipeg game last night. Edmonton had all the momentum going into that series. They had won six straight versus Winnipeg, completely dominated them. Winnipeg kind of limping into that series. And, of course, we saw what happened. Winnipeg wins the game. But there's a couple different player props up here right now. Top goal scorer of the series, of course, Austin Matthews, big favorite, minus 175. Foley, Montreal, plus 325. Mitch Marner, I don't mind this one, guys, plus 750. So pretty good odds on there. You know, not a whole lot of value on Matthews. He could get really burned on that one. You know, he could have some bad breaks. He could, you know, fingers crossed. But you you see player props get burned due to injuries all the time. But, yeah, some pretty good uh, odds in that market as well.
0: Talking to Joe Osborne of Odds Shark. So we know the Leafs are always a public play. That's why it's really difficult to bet them on the futures market for the Stanley Cup because they're always among the top five favorites, even when they're god-awful and losing to David Ayers like uh, last year. I I wonder how their public nature and, I mean, the reality of the situation is impacting the line. Like, are you seeing a lot of money and a lot of movement coming in on the Leafs? Are are people taking, I don't know, maybe the sharp tact of seeing some value in the Montreal Canadiens?
3: People are pounding the underdog a little bit here, actually. So when Mm. the odds for this individual game one first opened, at least for a minus 222, now it's down to minus 200. So, you know, underdogs, they win in the NHL more than any other of the major professional sports, right? So uh, some people are definitely seeing some value with Montreal, of course, you know Toronto. They have all the pressure because they are the big favorites, and they've come up short in this spot before. So, yeah, we're seeing a little bit of action coming in on on Montreal. That doesn't really mean a whole lot, though. But um, it, it just means people are getting a better price on the lease if they just want to bet them straight up on the money line.
0: That'd be cool. I'm down with that, uh, Joe. Appreciate the time as always. Talk next week.
3: Awesome guys! Good luck to you. Good luck to all the Leafs fans
1: out there. See you, brother. Sounds good.
0: Joe Osborne of Odd Shark. Perhaps a lot of people doing the Happiness Hedge.
1: If you do Happiness Hedge, you're the worst. The, there's no such thing as a Happiness Hedge if you're a real fan. I'm sorry, there's not. This is I mean, not how a much thing.
0: would? The, no, there is a, a point at which it would mitigate the loss. Like, say you won ten thousand dollars and the Leafs lost the series, you'd be like, "All right." You know what? That does mitigate not, it a little bit.
1: I'm not I'm not kidding. There's no chance I would take ten grand for the Leafs to lose this series. No 100 chance. Grand. Now we're talking. <laughs>
0: Alright. If there's any grand. whales out there. No,
1: like, 10 grand. Yeah, if there's any whales out there who want me to curse this series in the way oh, that yeah. I can, like when I called my brother, Leafs up certain amount of goals against a certain amount of team. In a certain year that will not be discussed. Um, and had him hang up the phone on me as a, one of the pucks went in the Leafs net going, I can't believe you did that. Yeah, I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best not to. Okay. Whew, pressure. A lot of pressure today. A lot of pressure sure for is. the Leafs. A lot of pressure for me. A lot of pressure. All right?
0: A lot of pressure on all the media people, including our next guest, who is uh, the best on the Maple Leafs and the NHL going. Chris Johnson. The NHL on Sportsnet. He joins us next. Good show continues. Ben Ennis, J.D. Bunkus,
1: Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Literally. I've literally waited my whole life for this. Leafs, Habs. Have... It's almost, like, it's almost um, too much to handle, knowing that it could have... I-, I also can't believe it's happening to me, where the Leafs are this heavily favored. Like, Leafs are... What did? A... Joe Osborne, minus, minus, minus three, three
0: some,
1: yeah, minus 360 fares, something like that to win the series. Like, again, it's a monumental collapse if they don't win this thing. It's basically our stock portfolios yesterday, or our crypto portfolios yesterday. All right, Simmer we'll bounce back, yeah, bounce back. A, yeah, we're bouncing back. Come all the way back, back to the moon. Thanks to uh, our lives being in uh, an eccentric billionaire's hands. It's really great. Yeah. Uh, it's a good show on Sports i I'm not the Fan. I'm JD Bunkus, Ben Ennis. Follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at J.D. Bunkus, Sportsnet Ben. Shoot us a message. Shoot us a DM. Uh, our next guest rode the wave with us. Our next guest has also been waiting his whole life for this. It's Chris Johnson. What's up, buddy? How you feeling?
4: I'm feeling great. Nice to be in the rink this morning here and uh, yeah. actually get this thing going. It's been a little bit too much buildup for my liking.
1: Yes, okay. But i got to say this, though, man. Like, and I, To pull the curtain back a little bit, you're somebody who... Grinds Like, you do a lot, a lot of work, but you're also someone who says yes to a lot of things and does a lot of free work because, like this show included, because you like to be a part of it, and you're always very appreciative of being, like, yeah, asked to do these things. Like, I know, for example, that... You know, Leafs Nation post game. You've got a lot going on at that point. You've got a file. You got to do different things. You've just watched a hockey game. You've done a million hits, and I've heard you say that you like being on that show because you love the idea of you know people leaving the rink or doing whatever, and then you're still a part of it. You're a part of their experience, and yeah, just the feeling right now of going into Leafs Habs. There's no fans in the building, which I, it really does sting, especially after watching yesterday's game. But yeah, kind of knowing that you are down at the rink and that you are about to experience something that hasn't happened since before I was born, before I think even you were born.
4: Yeah, it is before I was born, even that long ago. I see what you're doing there. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's funny. This has actually been on – I don't have much of on my career bucket list though. but a leafs Hab series has always been there. I don't know if this is going to satisfy my criteria because we don't have fans. I'm not going back no. and forth to the games. You know, not getting to be in a sold-out Bell Center where I have been many times for playoff games—it's like, honestly, it's like going to the Vatican if you're Catholic uh, when that building's full and and the games mean the most. But this is still pretty good. And let's not focus on what we don't have because what we do have is, is something I would have given an arm for back in December when there was even some question about if the season would go off or how it would go off. And you know, I think that, that this could be a pretty fun run. And at least they're going to start getting fans of Montreal before the end of this series, and maybe. Just maybe there'll be a way for it to happen here in Toronto at some point.
0: Right. We'll move on to the ins and outs of the series a little bit, but we've pontificated on the show about, you know, fully vaccinated healthcare workers, like even a couple hundred in the building there. Has there why has there been no discussion, and there's this rumor of this reopening plan coming because up? because of where we live. Uh, where it's, you know, they're going to announce maybe golf courses reopening and outdoor things happening this weekend. Is there any sense that, like, not... Even twenty five hundred that somebody would be would bear witness to this who's not a member of the media.
4: I, I think it's possible. You know, I'm hopeful that that could happen. I mean, especially if we end up talking about a long playoff run here. You know, I think you know, the one sentiment I've sort of gleaned from Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment is they don't want to be jumping ahead of anyone in line. I don't think they're asking for any favors. And so, you know, just because of as J D says where we live um, and nothing being open, I you know I don't think that there's a path right now for them to be open, even in a more modest way, even if it's not even for business, even if it's like you say having healthcare workers here or what have you. But you know I I do think that we're getting to a better spot. Anecdotally, I know lots of people that have been vaccinated that are my age and younger. You know we see the numbers declining, uh, the infection rates going down, and if the Leafs play all the way to the Stanley Cup final, you're looking at two months from today. So. I think it's reasonable to think that in the next two months that things will get a lot more encouraging around here, and you know I'm sure the organization is waiting its turn, but but you know anxious to at least maybe try to have some people in here to watch this thing.
1: Yeah, I loved Masai Ujiri at his media conference yesterday, saying like he's putting <laughs> pressure on to make guys get back here in Canada, and he's like I'm going to call Trudeau and I'm going to do these yeah. things. I was like you're the man, and I actually frankly want some of that from the Maple Leafs when it comes as like. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you can't just find out if people are double vaccinated. You can't have testing. You can't have things that happen in other places to do this. Like it's nonsensical, and it's fa- it's frankly, it has to do with the attitude of where we live, not. Um, the nature of the numbers right now. It's like the science. tolerance. No, no. For, S- no.
0: Science is irrelevant to all of yeah, this. I know. If, it If doesn't it was matter. about the science, yeah. we, we could have fans probably.
1: It was it was about the science, we'd be getting people who are double vaccinated into that building and we'd be having them do rapid testing before they got in. And the team, like, honestly, uh, what is it, 40 bucks at shoppers to get a test? I'm pretty sure a Maple Leaf fan would absorb that cost uh, quite easily in order to go to this hockey game. Anyways, um, Travis Dermott, he's out. And I wonder how this is sitting with a team where the guy was a part of the lineup the entire season, essentially, and he's in a free agency year. Not that those things matter. Like, obviously, best team on the ice. you got to do it. But I do, i got to say, I feel like a pinch of empathy for the guy.
4: Well, you should. I mean, look, it's not just Travis. I mean, Pierre Engvall basically played the whole season, over oh, okay, 40 yeah, games. So. He's out. No, <laughs> yeah, but, it's but fine, you yeah. know, Alex Galchenyuk, ever since he got traded here and started yeah. playing, he's played pretty much every game. You know, I I don't don't see... Right, but my point is is all those guys played a role in the Leafs getting to where they are today, and they're out because they're adding new faces or healthy bodies back. Um, You know, I guess, yes, there's empathy that the flip side is that uh, you know, lots of injuries happen in the playoffs. Lots of times things do change. It's just one game. It's kind of what we're hearing from the Montreal side of things, where they're keeping a lot of their talented young players out of tonight's game, uh, which I don't fully understand, but uh, you know, I yeah, feel feel bad for Travis, but he's number seven in the rotation. And if the Leafs play long enough, they're going to need, I would think, very likely more than seven defensemen to play games. And you know what's what's probably more interesting to me is is how elevated and how quickly it, uh, Rasmus Sandin's role has been elevated with this team. Uh, you know, he couldn't get anywhere near the lineup, and now he's you know quarterbacking the top power play. When they did six on five drills, you know, like a goalie out, they're they're looking for a tie. Goal, you know, this week at practice, Ratsman Sandine was on the point instead of Morgan Riley. I mean, pretty quickly and with, with, you know, still not that many games played in the last 13 or 14 months, uh, they, they clearly intend to put him in some high leverage spots at the, the biggest time of year. And that's another reason why Travis Dermott's out is that they, they prefer Sandine there.
1: Yeah, it's just, I guess it's a little tougher to swallow when you're pairing at practice right now as Martin Marincin. It's like, oh, you're definitely out. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's not. It's not good. Mm, yeah,
0: I suppose. But yeah, the Sandine thing has been the positive story, right? And it's been yeah. so long since we've seen him miss him. Miss uh, Maple Leafs hockey, but yeah, miss him as well. Not playing what the last two three games of the regular season. You said it like elevated role on this team. He's a third pairing defenseman. Does this mean potentially more five on five minutes elevated up the up the defense corps as well? Like what are we talking about? Because it seems like right out of the gates uh on power play one and you mentioned the six on five thing but what about during the game in, in a minutes like could we be looking at almost 20 for him
4: i don't think so um maybe if they play enough overtime or something but you know i, I think it's probably you know with him being paired with bogosian you know i think that there'll be a true third pairing whether that's what 12 unit strength minutes maybe something like that and then you know the fact that he's going to get some specialty teams i mean we don't always see a lot of power plays in playoffs but you know, I think it's pretty notable when you see them, you know, doing. They did a crazy amount, and it makes sense given where they're at. But they did a lot of special teams work the last three days of practice, and he was fundamental and front and center in all of it. And so, you know, I think it's it's a great vote of confidence for him. Um, you know, maybe he can help get their power play going because that that obviously was a real sore point for the last 29 or 30 games of the regular season, basically half the season. Um, and, you know, I think that he'll be used a little more sparingly at even strength because the Leafs have a good top four. That's why their defensive metrics improved so much this year. Uh, it's hard to hard to quibble. I know that there's moments in games and, and some concerns at times about, you know, individual performances, but as a whole, the Leafs' top two pairings were, were rock solid, and I think they'll lead up most of the even strength minutes.
1: So we've been expressing anxieties and theories and all of this stuff going into the series, but... To you, what, what do you think is going to be the thing the Leafs need to prove to you in game one?
4: I guess we'll just be looking to see if there's any sign of nerves or you know any residual effect from what's happened. I mean, if we're, if we're just talking about talent and performance, this is not a close series. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Brennan Gallagher is probably the best forward on the Canadians, and if we lined him up alongside the Leafs, I don't know where you'd put him in, but he'd be fourth or something, fifth whatever um you know the leafs have the high end players and they have they should have the confidence of the last 56 games and how they played and so yeah you know, i think the only thing in this series that that maybe makes it sort of interesting in terms of the outcome is you know will the leafs be able to handle their prosperity will they you know if if they get in a tight game you know edmonton was in a tight game last night and where they're highly favored against winnipeg and winnipeg finds that goal you know, it's it's how you react if it's two to one in the third period, and and um, you know we 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 know for sure that that there won't be the sort of open ice that you know a team with a high end offensive players like to play in, and so they're going to have to fight through some things, and you know I, that doesn't necessarily mean they have to show that to me tonight uh, because they might win four nothing and it might not be relevant, but that's going to be relevant at some point during this run, I would think, and and so um, you know I'm I'm curious to see also just what the layoff does to, to both teams. Uh, you know, it's been positive in that they're they're both welcoming back a number of players from injury, uh, but I you know might end up not having the intensity at least initially of some of the other games we've seen just because you know typically when you have seven or eight days between meaningful games, it's uh, it's hard to get it going right away.
0: Yeah, uh and then we're talking about months between meaningful games for Riley Nash who's going into a pretty important role, I suppose. Like is there an easy I would say
1: months here? between meaningful games for anybody on this team. When's the last <laughs> yeah. meaningful game these guys played? Like it's well, been I mean, a month at least.
0: Yeah. Okay, how about games though? Yeah, he hasn't played any. <laughs> so, uh he's getting his And he's first never
1: month. played he's getting... with this team
4: or his teammates yeah. basically.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, what is I are, are just it's right into the role they envisioned him is there any easing into this series for him
4: I don't think so I think the beauty of what he does is that he doesn't really have to make plays at least not offensive plays you know he's he's sort of a stopper in a sense and you know as a result that you know I think that you know he's a veteran player and has a very clear idea of how to do that he's done it for a long time he's done it with great success especially in playoff runs both with Columbus and Boston before that and you know I, I think that his value is going to shine through potentially in some maps matchup situations or defensive zone draws, you know, when Montreal is putting out their best people with a, with an O-zone draw, I think you'll, you'll see Sheldon Keefe come with that third line uh, with Nash and Mikheyev and uh, Kerfoot uh, at times. And then obviously on the penalty kill, you know, we, we've seen him essentially look to be on their top PK duo the way, at least it looked in practice with Nick polino, where obviously he's got some experience because uh, those guys did play together with the blue jackets for a few seasons. So, you know i i do think that it's it's certainly not easy by any stretch but because he's not you know we're not looking on him to to be a difference maker offensively he's just got to go out there and look after his own end and do the things that he's done that you know made the Leafs want to trade for him while injured and throw him into game one of the playoffs i can't think of anything quite like this i mean we've seen lots of players make a debut with an organization in the playoffs you know usually it's a young guy like nick robertson last year coming up and playing at the end of the season in the bubble but um, you know, to have a traded player
1: start in Game One of the playoffs is is unusual, but kind of fits with this COVID season all around. Yeah, man. And uh, if not to go backwards, but this is why I was feeling a little bit of uh, I was feeling empathetic towards Travis Dermott because I think it's one thing to play an entire season where everyone agrees that you're pretty effective and that you're having a good year, and you get replaced by just a bona fide stud who's made it undeniable versus when you're Pierre Engvall and basically from day one of the season, the coach has been like, I don't really like this guy. Uh, I can't communicate this any more clearly in hockey speak than I don't like this guy and I don't want this guy. And then I'm actually going to take him out of the lineup for a guy who has not played and who I'm just like looking to punt. I, I want to be a punter. That's fine. I'm going to take it. I'm going to roll with it. And so, yeah, I just uh, I don't have the same thing. So you said it. Montreal doesn't have the same amount of talent. You're right. I think that if I was drafting forwards in this series, I would take three Leafs before I took Brendan Gallagher. And that's the way it would go. When it comes to the blue line, I think they're even. The goaltending is really the big question mark of this series, right? It's like, what's Toronto going to get from Jack Campbell? Is he going to be able to handle the pressure? What if Montreal gets a few more shots on net and they need something that's a little bit more than average goaltending? Okay. Carey Price, same thing, though, where he's a question mark. He could be hot, Carey Price, but we've outlined it. He's somebody when he comes back from injury. It takes him a little while to get back right, and he has already been showing some visible signs of frustration. I already, I was like mocking Ennis when he was bringing up the pers- uh, the potential of Jake Allen and starting him in a series. I never thought that was a thing, but do you think there's a scenario here where Carey Price could be taken out of the net during this series?
4: I do. Yeah, just because like Jake to Allen. Just start a game. Yeah, I think so. I think it's possible. I mean, look, the Leafs' offense could make a goalie look bad. If they do it in a couple games, you know, you you might switch the goaltender, even if it's not his fault, exclusively to try to shift the momentum. You know, look, Montreal, it's an interesting thing. Like, obviously, the Leafs do shoulder the pressure because we all expect them to win the series. But it's a big year in Montreal. And Dominic Ducharme has an interim head coaching tag. You know, Mark Bergevin is entering into the last year of his contract. You know, I, I think there's a feeling that if they don't acquit themselves well, there could be change around their organization. And so, you know, when when you put those circumstances in play, I think that anything's possible. And you know, Kerry Price just didn't play very much. I, I don't know how long he's been out, but it's been a, a month or so, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so if he doesn't look good and they go down two nothing, I you know I could see the argument for it. We've also got that back to back in the series, which maybe is a little bit of a an asterisk if that's where he goes out and they just choose to split up the the back to back starts, but. You know I, I do think he could be replaced you know i, I think that there's no there's, there's no time to be safe in this series if you're montreal and so if, if he gives you reason for pause i mean obviously as their legacy goaltender and what he's accomplished they're 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 going to him even though he hasn't played down the stretch but you know which is a little different than the way the leafs did it with anderson and campbell but you know i don't, I don't think he, he he's guaranteed to go down with the ship if, if you know it doesn't go well here in the first night or two
0: so we're talking to chris johnson uh hog nine canada Sportsnet. net it is Maple Leafs game day, first game of the playoffs against the Montreal Canadiens. Perhaps mm. not surprising that you would see Dubas trending in Canada on Twitter, except that when you click on his name, you realize that the reason he's trending is because people are giving him a victory lap over trading away Nazem Kadri because he's on the verge of being suspended in the postseason. Again, has an in-person hearing for that hit yesterday he has uh just one point in the two postseason series for the avalanche this year but he had 18 and 15 games last year including six power play goals he had nine goals overall so they went out in seven games in the second round man that was a pretty vicious looking hit what do you think the outcome is here
4: well it's not good i mean an in-person hearing says you can be suspended more than five games right and you know his last playoff suspension. You know isn't sort of officially on the record because it's more than 18 months ago. But the Jake DeBrus cross check, you know, cost him the last five games of that series. It ended up being a seven-game series. The way player safety ruled it at the time, it was in game two that he, he threw that cross check. They said he's done for the series, and so he had to miss the last five games. I, I could see something similar um, being in order here, where he's he's ruled out for the series. Maybe it goes even longer than that because you know it, it would be his third suspension under the similar conditions in the playoffs um you know i it brings me no joy i, I got to be honest I, I've always liked Kadri. I like that he plays on the line but you know this is a pattern now he's crossing the line in the most emotional games I, I don't think it's a coincidence I think that mm-hmm. he's looking to play that way and and you know that that hit last night there's just no way to defend that right. uh, I don't think that I don't think that was a hard decision in a sense for player safety they might have difficulty arriving at the number but the minute you see that, you're thinking suspension, especially given who you're talking about. So, you know, I, I don't think we'll see him again in the first round and wouldn't surprise me if, if it extends even beyond that.
0: Uh agree. CJ, great stuff, buddy. Uh, enjoy the game finally tonight. Thanks, man.
4: All right, boys. You too. Have fun.
0: See you, bro. Right, see ya, Chris Johnson, the NHL and Sportsnet. Yeah, you, it can be two things. It can be, yeah, that's kind of the deal, and that's why mm-hmm. he was traded away. But also, the trade was horrible. Still horrible. Still awful, awful, awful. Awful, awful. What they got back in return for Nazim Kadri. But yeah, that's not necessarily surprising. And obviously, yeah, it doesn't give anybody any joy to see it.
1: Uh, that makes me sad, actually, that you outlined the thing and not to get into the discussion about social media and it being the worst. But yeah, people, if you're gleefully celebrating the oh idea that Khaldu was some ways vindicated for a bad trade over <laughs> that, like, yeah, you know, it sucks. Kadri was a really good Leaf. And you and I both thought that after the last suspension, he did have to go mm-hmm. for this reason, is that you could never take on the risk of Kadri taking a suspension for your team again. You couldn't allocate that, many cap, that much cap space to a guy who was a wild card. And just like that, important to your team. Like Dude. Colorado is going to be able to sustain losing him for a series, you would think. They can't sustain losing him for the entire cup run, which I wouldn't anticipate they're going to, but it just sucks. Kadri's a good dude. Yep. He's always been a great interview on the show. Mm -hmm. He's someone who really loved to play here um, to the point where he tried to nix trading out of this place. Like, he wanted to be in Maple Leaf. He's an effective player. He's a good player. He's well-liked by his teammates. But, yeah, CJ nailed it where it's not a coincidence just when the games ramp up and those emotions get super high, he has a problem dialing it back. It just, I, it's weird. I almost view this as like he's not dirty. He's a choker. Like he's a yeah. choker.
0: No, for sure. Because that play, even the, yeah, the Jake DeBrusque one, it's like that's an emotional moment, and it kind of happened a little bit quicker. Yesterday, that's like there's so much leading up to that. Mm-hmm. There is just a million years seemingly – as he's skating towards the middle of the ice, that to not have that internal mental stop sign come up Mm -hmm. is, yeah, a a little bit baffling, but part of why he's such a great player, and especially at this time of year. Like I mentioned, the, the nine or eight goals last year in the playoff run for the Avalanche in two series.
1: I think it's applicable to everyday life, which is... If you can't rein in your emotions in big spots and important moments, you're probably going to suffer consequences. And in hockey, this is just a version of that. Sucks. Like I said, it really sucks. I would anticipate he's definitely going to miss this series. And I, I I have a hard time believing that with his track record in the playoffs, that it's not going to be longer. Like when CJ said, and beyond this series, I'm thinking, yeah. That maybe they do something like ten games,
0: or just do two series. Because if I recall, like the uh, yeah the, they the did the
1: rest of the series, is, yeah rest yeah. of the
0: series. So they might just say, hey, this series, and if you advance, the next one as well, exactly yeah. being on the table.
1: Oof. Okay, I want to do so. We have uh, Adam Copeland, Edge, or as Ennis okay. calls him, the Edge.
0: No, I dude for that a guy once.
1: who hates it when people call it the good show. No, you I'm sorry. that's I'm your... not a
0: wrestling guy, okay and it was years and years and years and years and years and years and years ago.
1: Okay? I gotta thank him for winning me money at the Rumble.
0: I was surprised that you didn't throw that in there yeah because Clint, yeah it, I had forgotten. I, yeah. Uh, he's Royal Rumble champion after retiring yeah. in 2011, returning and then being number one in the Rumble right? like he was the first yeah. guy in last yeah. man standing. Yeah. Belleville's zone or uh, Orangeville zone, wherever, Orangeville. somewhere. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so whatever,
1: somewhere. No, whatever. Someplace. You've really done great preparation for this interview. You're like, he's like, I what? The edge? And he's from somewhere in Ontario, you say? Yeah. That's it. Okay, it's good job. Province. Yeah, yeah. I got you. So, but before we get to edge, I want to just quickly do a little bit of rapid fire over reactions from around the NHL because we did. God, it's the worst when you're watching these entire games and I don't get a second to talk about them. So, one, I, w- I just want to say about that Caps-Bruins series, quickly. I I don't see two even teams. I thought I did at the very beginning of the series. Now that we have three games, I see a Bruins team that's way better than the Capitals and has way more horses and did not look gassed and did not look old and did not look undermanned. And the Capitals hung in that game because that Samsonov kid was brilliant, for large stretches of the game. But the Bruins winning always felt like, hey, it's bad in a series when early on it feels like the other team needs to get a lucky bounce to win and it feels inevitable for the other team regardless of what the outcome is. And that's just what I'm watching with that team. Is just the Capitals are not the Bruins. They're just not. The Bruins are the better team. They're the deeper team. They look more dangerous throughout the entire thing. The numbers back that up, too, and they just, they're just they more trustworthy top to bottom. And I actually think that this thing is going to get wrapped up pretty quick now. I, I wonder if they broke Washington last night.
0: Well, I mean, it's three straight overtime games, and I think it's like 12 yep. straight playoff games between these two that has been decided by one but goal.
1: you just said it, where we were talking about if style points matter for the Leafs, uh-huh. and if the Leafs win one-goal games or if they win an overtime game. If the Leafs win the way that the Bruins are playing right now, and they beat Montreal the way that Washington is playing right now. I'm going to feel just fine.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. Uh, it also is concerning when you see your captain and best player freak out like he did at the end of the game uh, and screaming in Russian towards Samsonov who made the egregious turnover behind his net. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know was an emotional he's the only moment, reason but... you're in the game, man. So Yeah.
0: Yeah, not ideal.
1: And yeah, Ovi, like you want to be mad? Be mad at the guy who's a Hall of Famer and one of the best goal scorers ever, but who doesn't have an overtime goal in mm. the playoffs. I would be pretty mm. pissed at that guy, you know? I'd be mm. like, where's that guy?
5: Mm. So, Interesting.
1: Yeah, just a thought. Just a thought. Right? Just a All little right. thought. Um, Two, quickly... I think the Hurricanes are going to be the team that nobody watches until they're in the Cup Final, but that they're the NHL's worst nightmare for two reasons. One is that no way in hell does Gary Bettman want to see them in a Stanley Cup Final, despite their fans being amazing. But two is I think they're really, 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 really good. <laughs> like like, like they, they can beat anybody. They're that kind of caliber.
0: Well, and if, if we're talking about home ice advantage, meaning... Anything of anything of anything. Well, they
1: have the best one by a factor of 10,000.
0: <laughs> it's insane. Jelkovic at the end of that game, interviewing him, was, was sitting down, which is a kind of a, a weird one. But you check out the video of that interview, and the fans screaming his name after the game. It is uh, the most exciting thing I've seen with fans so far this postseason.
1: So... I was thinking about this watching American sports fans in markets where they're really not. like, And I don't mean to disparage people of Carolina because I'm sure they have 30,000 real hockey fans there. But I just think there's something Amer- like about American sports culture where you know how to root and you know how to get behind a team. And you have tailgate culture. And it's just a rowdy, loving sports. Like You can have people not show up for Hurricanes games all year. And then it's basically like, hey, we got some meaningful games and it's hockey time. And people go, we know how to do this. We'll just jump right in.
0: It's the passion is different. Like there's just no way that people have been to when we
1: had full barns here, and you know, you think about Edmonton and you think about Calgary. I'm not and saying you think it's the Montreal. best thing in the
0: world, but yeah, like the the unhinged nature of it, like over the yeah. top. Sometimes it does go over the top. Yeah. Like people forget what's important sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> they're yeah. so into sports. It's a culture. It's a yeah. lifestyle. It means more to people's lives in the United States, which has its pros and cons. But I would say when you're watching meaningful <laughs> games, it. it's a it's a pro. There's just yeah. no question about it.
1: I don't know how Novakovic didn't cry, like weep openly weep. I how know. do you not openly weep in that Incredible scenario? Eyebrows on him as well. I just – I level. was – I'm like, oh, boy, don't yeah. do it. Dan they, Ilkovich, don't cry, buddy. And I'm like yeah. <laughs> getting just teary-eyed. That's amazing. That was really, really cool. Uh, I don't really have a lot to say about this. Oilers-Jets was one of the worst games of the year. Like, it was just yeah, no, fest. Yeah, no, they're
0: horrible. Were... They're horrible. Hopefully yeah. the rest of the series is better. Like, the only take is, holy goodness gracious, there's a contrast in watching these games to that, but mm-hmm. not just the fan atmosphere. It's just it, it seemingly – The skill of these teams, and hopefully it bodes well for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Hopefully the Leafs look closer to those good teams that we're watching and not close to the Montreal Canadiens. We're not that, but that was jarring yesterday.
1: So I'm glad you brought me here because at first, when I watched that game, I thought, I can't watch no fans anymore. This is just done for me. No fans in an arena is over. The era of no fans should cease to exist. I cannot watch it. It's not aesthetically pleasing. You lose a ton. In fact, you know, when I was saying some of these things last year during the Stanley Cup playoffs and people were getting mad at me, I was like, "Mm, I hate to say a right. but but a freaking totesoe. Yeah. Um, My theory now is that that game was so bad, so lifeless, so low event, so ugly that... Leafs-Habs, we're going to watch it and go, oh, you know, it might not have been all the fans. That no fans maybe is a little overrated after watching that because there's no way it can be that. If it's that, are we all fired? <laughs> it's like, no, you know why? Are we boarding up? What?
0: Because everyone's going to watch anyways. There's nothing you yeah, can say about the series. It's going to yeah. stop people from watching the Leafs and Montreal Canadiens. Um, yeah. So it's going to be fine. 7.30 tonight. As if you don't know. Be the envy of the neighborhood, Craftsman and Sportsnet teaming up to give seven. one lucky winner the chance should to win $20,000 know in it cash. Be seven.
1: Just say it. Agree with me. Seven o'clock? Yeah.
0: Yeah, of course. Sure. Uh, and uh, you can win $20,000 in cash and Craftsman tools and storage to create your own dream garage. Mm -hmm. to enter for your chance to win the craftsman dream garage contest visit sportsnet.ca slash craftsman enter weekly to increase your chances no purchase necessary contest ends june 20th 2021 see full rules for details craftsman tools available at lowe's and rona stores across canada and of course amazon.ca when we come back Mm -hmm. edge leaf super fan joins us next it's good Joe bananas jd bunkus sportsnet 590 the fan All right, we're going to be joined in a couple minutes by Humber College alum, Edge. I'm sort of a Humber College alum. I have a Humber College diploma. I went to the University of Guelph-Humber, but I, I never went to Humber College standalone. Does that count?
1: Sure. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I don't. I don't want to offend anybody who's in the same shoes as you, but I would say that, no, if you wore the Hawks gear... They would it'd be a little fraudulent, wouldn't you say?
0: <laughs> I, I'm stuck between two worlds because, yeah, if I wore Griffin's uh, gear, I would also feel fraudulent. It's
1: a bigger fraud. Uh, and you should, <laughs> and which is uh, why I rolled my eyes when your son rolled up to my apartment during last summer and he was wearing a Guelph T-shirt. And he was like, My daddy went to Guelphers. I was like, uh, Take that off. <laughs> I was like, You know who's offended by that? Justin Dunk, our friend Justin Dunk, who's like the quarterback for Guelph. He's like, I right. put my life into Guelph, and here you are. Yeah. Like, I did an online course for Guelph, so I bought my sons all these no, t shirts. No.
0: I went there. I lived God. in Rexdale, so I think, yeah, I think the proximity to Humber College, I get to be a Humber Hawk.
1: You don't get think to be that's... anything. You're nothing. Yeah. You're an absolute nothing. Um, By the way, you just reminded me that. So, I like I I went to Carlton and I'm pretty proud of that. I love Carlton. I, yeah, you know? I, <laughs> I just want it to love me back, you know. I want I just want Carlton to love me back. No. No. You
0: know that uh, Edge went to uh, Humber for radio though as well, right? That's right. Yeah. What do you mean you want Carlton to love you back? By the way, you just kind of like threw that in there as in like you're not getting enough love. They know. Like, you want to be you want to be at the no, ceremonial tip off next year. No, the, you know the the what start I of the actually basketball
1: season, <laughs> <laughs> dude. That would actually be the most embarrassing thing ever. I wouldn't yes. be able to handle that. I'd be like, I um, actually
0: need that to happen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that has to
0: happen. What are we doing no. here?
1: I'd have to lie. I'd be like, oh, I'm still afraid of the pandemic, and uh, <laughs> i just not really going outside. <laughs> that's that's we do. can definitely. No.
0: We can we can pull some strings. You don't think we have enough people in the know with no. Canada basketball and how integral that program is? No, they'd, be like, they'd is. be like,
1: please, they please welcome someone who was on academic warning and didn't even know you had <laughs> to good grades to get into law school until after the first year, had to restart all his courses. <laughs> like, no, I'm not, I'm not the guy that the university wants to pump up. No, you know what I would actually just love from Carlton is just some gear that fits all the like stuff. Is just not, they got like a lot of flat brims and stuff that doesn't fit me. You know, it's hard for me to find merch that I love. I know that's a weird complaint, but it's just the facts. It's just the truth. I've tried to buy Carlton merch straight up for a decade. I haven't been able to buy anything. How's that yeah, for okay. something?
0: Yeah, no, that's nothing. That's stupid. What are you talking about? You can't find a t shirt? So you're just, you're no, talking the about a hat. Not the that's same it. On
1: one hat, yeah. Yeah, you're
0: <laughs> talking about one thing. Merch. It's like, I can't find a merch. Yeah, All the yeah, the yeah. merch doesn't yeah. fit my weird body. Yeah, it's like, no, computer. there's just small, medium, large. You get your sh- medium that'll fit. It's just a hat. Yeah. You have a puny My little sh- pee medium
1: head. No, buddy, you know me. I'm between medium and a large. And uh, the way these arms are looking these days, it's getting closer and closer to a large. It's just the way it is. Okay, so while we're waiting for Edge, I think we just, just talk about some of the fan stuff that I wanted to talk about with him, which is just... It's this weird... I, I think it's a very, very weird place for Leaf fans today. Okay, well, we're going to pivot off that, but no, I'll just say the rest is that I think it's a very weird place for Leafs fans because you're in a spot where you should feel confident and that position has made you burnt throughout your entire life. And so you want to go in feeling some measure of confidence and you want to be happy with the position you're in. And of course you wouldn't trade places with Montreal, but there's something about being a fan base where your identity is pain and your identity is disappointment. And then being in a position where it's, hey, you might experience some happiness against a rival. Like, it's just good. And, and I feel like I'm, I'm stepping into a trap and I'm being very hesitant. So I'm excited and I'm nervous. And it's a, it's a very mixed emotions today waiting for this game to start.
0: And that's understandable for us because we're not the most confident people in the world. Our next guest no, is that's it's true. Edge, WWE yeah. superstar. And we're going to find out if he's nervous, then I guess there's, yeah, we can all be nervous. What's going on, Edge? Thanks for doing this.
6: I'm not nervous at all. I'm optimistic. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even cautiously optimistic. We, we are going to win this thing, and that's all there is to it. That's the way you have to look at this. And I guarantee you that's the way the entire roster is looking.
1: I, I was going to ask you to cut a promo for Leafs fans. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to have to ask that question. You're just going to do it, right? <laughs> it's just, yeah, I'm just, just going to right into it. it. Are you yeah. kidding? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was <laughs> like, I don't, need to give you, yeah, I don't need to give you a prompt. So, yeah, you're not nervous. You're optimistic. You. So, I, I'm guessing then if we're just looking at this thing, you're, you're thinking what going into this series? Toronto in what?
6: Uh, honestly, I, it should be Toronto in five. It, yeah if I'm, you know, but playoffs, you know how things are, it, it gets tougher. It gets, it gets gnarlier, uh, gets uglier in the corners. It, it's so, you know, a lot of play around the boards. And that is something that the regular season just doesn't really have to this extent. Right. You can see it in the totality of hits and all the other series. It's like double, you know, you watch Florida and Tampa that first game, my God, like I didn't think they were going to have a roster the next game just the way everybody's creaming each other so playoffs are different however i'm really confident in the the changes um that kyle made this year in terms of you know toughening up that team we get the bogosian back and um muzzin to me is is the key i don't know if a lot of people realize this if they actually stop and think about it but that defense turned around when we got Muzzin, and as long as muzzin is there i feel good and he's a physical presence. He's a guy that's going to knock somebody into the boards. Um, you got Simmons, you got Thornton. I feel good about that aspect of the game now. And that's something I never felt good about with the Leafs going to the playoffs before.
1: They're so much um, more balanced and they're so much so deeper. Much and they. And they addressed everything that you really wanted them to last offseason, right? Like, unless you were somebody that had, like, really, really hot takes about breaking up the top four guys, they said, okay, we're going to get someone more responsible to play with Riley. You got it. They got more depth on the blue line to the point where Travis Dermott's like, not even playing in the first game because they actually do now have seven defensemen. They got a backup goaltender who's stepping in as the starting goaltender. Like, everything, every box is checked. And, again, that's why I just keep getting back to the nerves. Is It's like, too good to be true. And <laughs> so I keep coming back no, to the same no, things. Because up.
6: You will, you, yeah. you will keep perpetuating it that way.
1: Yeah. It's like, okay, cut, I it. It. <laughs> cut
6: the umbilical yes. cord. That's yeah.
1: It. Screw okay. 67.
6: It, it's yeah. 2021. 20, and, yeah. and we are, uh, I feel good. I feel good until we get to the West. <laughs> <Wow. Yeah. laughs> until, until a Vegas or an abs or things like that, that that'll obviously be more, more challenging, I, I think. And that's not to discount the, the Habs, Like, I love the North Division. I love that you know we we're getting to see this matchup for the first time in 42 years. Like, think about yeah. this: the last time this happened, we had Sittler. we had Lafleur, we had Larry Robinson, we had uh, you know Borea Salming. Mike Palmatier was in net. The, the Bunny Larock was on the Habs. Like, this should be fun. Like, I can't wait. I'm going to have a shot of whiskey. I'm going to have all of my Leafs paraphernalia on, and yes. I'm going to be sitting there with my feet kicked up and my Maple Leafs slippers watching this game.
0: I might have more than one shot of whiskey, but I'm with you. Uh, well, yeah. that's true. It'll start with one. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope, man, and it, it's you're a professional athlete, so uh, I, I assume you're speaking for most of them, that they have that same confident, not nervous but like excited to get it going feeling because the 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 feeling in in playoff years previous and the team has not been favored really in any any series before the five games against Columbus last year so it's it's a bit of a a non-fair comparison but that with fans in the stands it really felt like whatever nervousness was happening amongst fans which is palpable and true because we're not all as confident as you was like seeping into the souls of the players who are actually playing the game but you're telling me being a professional athlete being around these guys that that doesn't happen or does it
6: i i think you have anxiety beforehand but it's to get it going like you said it's still like let's get this game started let's get rolling now i think you know the north division starting later it's actually that was that was harder because you start to see these other playoffs and you just want to get moving you want to get going um, I, I know like if we're building up to WrestleMania, just let's get to WrestleMania so I can get in there. Cause once I get in there, I'm gold. It's the, you know, overthinking things beforehand kind of thing. Um, and I think if there's any team truly in the playoffs that no crowds will actually help strangely, it's Toronto because yeah. playing in Toronto, we all know it. It's the epicenter of pressure and, and, now that's kind of gone in a way because you don't have that crowd there. Sure, it can fire them up and everything, but I truly think playing in Toronto is a different beast than any other market in the league. Montreal is is similar. And I think, strangely, that takes some pressure off of them where it's just go out and play like you're on the pond and there's no fans there to in any way get in your head. Um, I think it, it could play to a strength for them, strangely, as as weird as that sounds. I'm sure they'd all love to have a crowd instead of no crowd. But if I'm actually sitting back and thinking about it, at least for this first round, get one under your belt, finally win a playoff series, and start gaining some confidence before you get back to crowds. I don't know.
1: No, uh, we're with you, man. We said off the top of the show today that – like, if you've ever been to a game at the Bell Centre, it's pretty different than going to a game here in Toronto. And that's it no slight. I think absolutely. that Leafs fans are very, like, they're great fans, but the atmosphere in the arenas are just, they're very, very, very different. And one feels very corporate. One feels like you are sitting with generations of diehard fans who just feel every movement of the puck. Like, there's, there's like a breathing element to being at a Bell Centre game where you're just... Like, it'd be the easiest games to call if you were a play-by-play announcer to because oh. like, they all say that you have to feed off the crowd, and it's like, no, 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 that's yeah, the easiest place to do it. So, yeah, if we're just looking at home ice advantage, yeah, I really do believe that this is actually yet another advantage for Toronto, that you're dead right.
6: It's strange. You know, you go to a, a game in the Bell Center. I've gone to Leafs, Habs, games in the Bell Center, and it, it's euphoric. It's wild. Yes. You go to a Toronto game, and it's like everyone's holding their breath. Yeah. <laughs> like waiting for something to go wrong and and that's got to change it has to like we got the rocket richard winner this year and he was easily going to smash vise record and we we got campbell who he ain't a backup anymore he's he's playing to his potential he's playing to his draft potential now that's exciting and w- again, what excites me more than anything is the fact that, hey, if anything goes down, Wayne Simmons is coming on next, next shift mm-hmm. and he's going to make it right. We've never had that, well, at least for a long time. And then, then you factor in, like I said, that D is so deep now. It, and, and the fact that Keith can juggle those lines the way he can, it's an embarrassment of riches. Like, it, it's so deep. It's, it's pretty incredible. And, and it's super exciting. And, and when I talked about some of the other series and how physical they were and definitely more physical even than the Leafs still play, but you see the skill level that the Leafs are at mm-hmm. and the way they handle the puck and the way it, it's – I don't see another team in the league short of maybe the Avs that, that have that kind of um, firepower up front
1: they've got that up front and again they have that balance and a little bit more toughness down the lineup and we talked about this yeah. at the beginning of the year there was like there was this big gamble in getting those veteran players and saying wow George Thornton is really old man and Wayne Simmons has looked like he's on a bit of a decline and you know Jason Spetz is turning 37 do you want to really reinvest in all these guys and it's really worked out oh, and yeah, one of the biggest do. advantages yeah one of the biggest advantages i think they have is that they have those guys down there like i saw a quote from Simmons today cuz you you brought him up and i had it like somewhere in our like work document which is that he had said quote Nothing can compare to playing in front of 19,000 screaming fans, but we're playing a Stanley Cup final. Or, sorry, we're playing a Stanley Cup. If that doesn't get you going, I honestly don't know what will. End quote. And I just, I really do believe that those guys in this series are going to be such a massive X factor in terms of the urgency they are going to bring to the rink. That those three guys are are just, they're going to be playing with the intensity that everybody needs to play to and that other guys are going to play up to it on the Leafs.
6: Because they know this is one of their last shots. Yep, and I knew how important those pickups were. When Simmons, it was Montreal, and Simmons, I think it was it was Chabot, and and Simmons, you know, punched him in the face three or four times, and then he looked at his own bench. He didn't look at the Canadians' bench. He looked at his own bench and screamed at the top of his lungs. And I went, "Okay, that yeah. is what they need." And at that moment, I went, "Something's different this year." And I got fired up. I was, like, jumping out of my chair. at goosebumps. I was like, yes. Like, that is the mentality you need for the playoffs. And that guy wants it. And I don't care how old he is or if he's on the down, downside of a career. I don't care how old Joe is. In the locker room, those guys are the guys you need. Because those are the guys that the Marners and the Matthews and the, the, the Nylanders, they're all going to turn to those guys. Guaranteed. Because I, I, I see it in my locker room, and you can say we're sports entertainment, but the, the similarities are there across the board when it comes to locker rooms. Those are the guys who, whose brains you're going to pick. And what also feels great and different this year is, is Campbell and the way that team plays for Campbell. Like I've never seen them play for another goalie. No knock on Freddie. It's just you can tell they, they really want to win for Campbell. And it's it, even just in the way that they congratulate him after the game. It's just different. You can just feel it and see it and it's, it's there. And that to me is a dynamic that you can't, you can't fabricate it. You can't go out and buy it and you could get the best goalie in the league, but you're not going to get that rapport. And they got that rapport with him. And even just him knocking them on the shins after every save or, or clearing out the front of the net for him, he gives him that little knock. That goes a long way, man. And, and you can
1: tell, Dude, uh, I I mentioned it coming into this thing. Uh, this is actually the pick-me-up that I needed because I have had the anxieties throughout the day. And now I'm going to try to live with the it's 2021, the feel confident, Great. be happy. Like, I... I'm, I'm turning it around a little bit. Although the only thing is, is again, I, I'm really trying not to jinx the team on the show today. That's been like my goal of the entire day is like, don't jinx, don't do anything stupid. Don't say anything that's going to get quoted and have my mentions filled if the Leafs fall down to nothing in this game. But no, this was really great, man. And uh, yeah, you're just like a very, very legit fan. And yeah, uh, it was it, like, it's been really fun talking to you about this team.
6: Yeah, I, I have a blast talking about it. I can talk about them all day, as you can tell. Like, it's very I'm going clear. Straight into like I'm cutting a wrestling promo. Like, I can't yes. help it. Like, I'm I'm yes. ready for this. Not only that, <laughs> I'm just excited to see Maple Leafs Canadians. Forty two yes, years, this hasn't happened. Yeah. We need to celebrate that. That's awesome. I don't got any anxiety. I'm ready to go.
0: No, and just like I said, maybe the fan anxiety was permeating into the players when they were in the building. Hopefully, your Optimism, good attitude, permeating to the fan base uh, and everybody that's listening to this right right now because it's. I'm just gonna.
6: I'm gonna spread positive pheromones to everybody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh, Edge, thanks so much for doing this, man. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks, bro. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Have fun. Take care, man. You too. too.
0: See you, Uh, Edge. WWE superstar, Leafs fan, perhaps better than Steve Dangle. Up to you to decide.
1: You know, it was just. It's nice to hear, like, you and Edge are pretty close in age. and He's 10
0: years older than me.
1: And, like, you're, I think <laughs> you guys are pretty close.
0: He's literally like, what it, what it means, 10 years.
1: You know, it's just nice to hear from guys your age, like, what it means to you. Because, like, you've waited so much longer than me. And it's just, you know, it's humbling for me to just sit back and listen to you guys talk about how long you've been waiting, you know?
0: Yeah, he's uh, a whole generation older than me. Mm-mm. Decade. It's a decade.
1: Sure. Whatever you say. So you're, you're producer
0: Daniele's age then. You're the, that's what you're saying Pretty because much. the <laughs> difference is the same. It's the same. You and 24-year-old yeah. producer Daniele, you guys right. are the same. You're... Same age. <laughs> All right. That was awesome. Uh, he's great. All right, when we come back, former Leaf, Nick Kiprios. It is good show. Ben Ennis, J.D. Bunker, Sportsnet 590, The
1: Fan. That's too much, Lance. <laughs> you you went too far. Now I'm going to be no. talking. This is me later when I'm talking to myself in the mirror that I'm going to be okay at 635. Splashing cold water in my face. How many drinks is appropriate for tonight? Three? Well,
0: I... I, here's the thing. It's it's different when you have to pay a different type of attention because we're, you know, doing a show tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I right. think, yeah, three is kind of. I mean, depends. Three for the whole game. Like that's
1: that's, why, you that's why, oh, why you have a little Buddha. That's this is why this is why you have a little Buddha. Four percent, I think, little yeah. less, refreshing, yeah. still calm <laughs> the nerves. Bing, bang, boom. Perfect drink. That's the drink of watching the Leafs game tonight is the Little Buddha Organic. Uh,
0: Nick Kiprios, director of hockey operations for Line Movement and uh, creator of Little Buddha, uh, joins us on the line right now. What's going on, Nick?
7: Uh, You guys are the best. I know. That's awesome. Yes, at 4%, you could
1: easily have (laughs) two per period. Yes. Five more. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Doctor Nick. I'm now like that's it. Hey, i heard two per period. Hey, you're gonna tell the inventor of this drink how many I should have, okay? Yeah. No, I'm having two per period. I'm in. I'm in for two a period. Let's go. Uh, we'll see how the show goes, so, man, I'm I'm nervous. I gotta say, to Kipper, like I just. The Leafs, there's just too many things that are going right for them in this series, right? Like, they're more talented up front. They're deeper. Their goaltending is looking a little bit more stable. I know price can be priced, but just if we're talking about, like, where they're at today versus where Montreal's at today, they've got a blue line that's loaded and deep. Like, I, what am I missing here? I don't think you're
7: missing anything. And everything can look great on paper, but we know the game's not played on paper. Yeah. It's played on the ice. And, yes... As Mike Tyson said everything's fine with your plan until you get punched in the nose uh, and that's how we're going to just see the first 5-10 minutes and pace of play, style of play. We we believe that the Montreal Canadiens can only come out and try to beat them in the alley here they're not going to beat them on the scoreboard, they don't have that firepower even if they take a page out of the, the Columbus Blue Jackets last year where it's a rope of dope where you just sit on the blue line and you're you say, "Hey, uh, Red Rover, Red Rover, we call you know Austin over." Uh, you can only you can only assume that you can just play that way for so long before it starts caving in, and everything's pointing in the Leaf direction. But we'll just have to see how hard the Montreal Canadiens can come out, and how how strong defensively they can play, and what kind of goaltending they get out of Carey Price.
0: Yeah, physical game I'm expecting uh, tonight. Uh, from both sides, really, and the Leafs try to get some juice into their game, maybe with uh, an early fourth line shift and a Wayne Simmons hit i wouldn't be surprised at that either, but the power play has been so abominable, and talk all the time about the best revenge of, you know is, is scoring on your power play they haven't done that. they have not forced teams to recalibrate how physical they are against them. Does that impact do you think the the level of physicality for Montreal that it has not been punished the Leafs being physical against them is not punished by power play goals.
7: Well, that can change early with a power play goal and and change the mentality, but yeah, I would imagine that uh, the Corey Perry's of the world will go challenge a lot of people, including uh, Jack Campbell in in the blue paint, Uh, but until you get burned, uh, you won't won't back off on that. Now, the good news for the Leaf fans is that we, we know the whistles get put away to a certain degree in the playoffs, and power play chances aren't what it used to be, but Five-on-five, five. the Leafs are strong. Uh, Austin Matthews, best five-on-five five player, I think, in the world right now. And that's ultimately going to be the difference maker for the, the Leafs to beat Montreal. Like they they won't have to rely on a hot power play to get by in Montreal. Going down the road, of course, if you want to try to win the Stanley Cup in, in two months, yeah, get the power play going.
1: Yeah, that's that's where I was going to go next is just how... I hate doing the whole getting ahead of ourselves thing because, again, uh, anxieties, curses, all the things that I blame myself for. But if this team is going to prove that they're a Stanley Cup contender, what do you need to see in this series?
7: I don't don't think there's going to be anything that we haven't seen already during the regular season. And, of course, we're just talking about their dominance in, in the North Division. But they've been able to win with offense they've been able to win shutting down teams. And you know, that, that run during the regular season against Edmonton gave us a different look for the Leafs, a shutdown role, you know, whether it was Justin Hull, you know, doing great work on McDavid or now, you know, Hall and Muzzin, you know, challenging uh, top players on, on Montreal to that sort of stuff. And then, getting the save when they needed to. So outside of a, a, a questionable power play, I, I think the Leafs has shown a lot of different angles that we haven't seen in a long, long time to beat hockey clubs.
0: Uh, talking to Nick Kiprios. Again, little Buddha, have one or two or five. <laughs> uh, during, after the game. Really
7: good, re- really yeah. good in 80-degree weather, too.
0: Oh, buddy, is it? I'll bet. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned the, the start and the first couple of minutes, first 10 minutes of this game, and the first game in general, because the conversation we could be having tomorrow, oh, boy. There's, the range of possibilities is wide. Is this a, are we making too much of that, or do you think it, it is real? Like how important not just this game is, the first period, first 10 minutes of this first game is?
7: Well, for, for any team, you, you gotta you got to start with the seed of doubt. And if it means getting a big save and sending that message or setting that tone, a big hit, uh, making people feel like it's going to be a long series, anything that you can get that can get the ball rolling. I don't know too many people that gave Winnipeg Jets uh, any any life in this series with Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl, and yet they go in there and they find a way to win and win the way I think... Paul Maurice thought he could win, and that's first and foremost, have your 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 goaltender play like a Besna champion. And he was really solid uh, last night, Connor Hellebuck. And now all of a sudden, it, there's a different tone. It's just one game, and we assume that, uh, you know, Connor's going to light it up for three or four in the next few games. But there is a lot of thinking today on... All of a sudden, Winnipeg found one way to win against Edmonton. Is this going to be a, a theme here? Can they frustrate them? Can they turn this into uh, a scenario where we all believe, yeah, Winnipeg could upset the Edmonton Oilers here? And I, I think the Montreal Canadiens would look at tonight's game and say the, the same thing, that if, in fact, that we can have a strong 20 minutes here, get out of the first period either – Uh, down a goal or tied and and it looks like it was a fairly even playing field after 20 minutes now you start building something in in a belief and that's what the Montreal Canadiens are going to try to do they're going to try to do the exact same thing Winnipeg did against the best player in the world in Conor McDavid last night
1: yeah I don't think Montreal can win this series without winning game one and so I always wonder if there's more pressure on Montreal because of that or if there's more pressure on the Leafs knowing that, yeah, if they do fall behind or they do get in some tough spots, starting to remember like how much has been building towards this season and whether that's going to start to seep into guys' heads. And a lot of this is going to come from whether or not Campbell lets in a bad one here or there because then it's going to start to feel eerily familiar to other playoffs it's going to feel like maybe it's a little bit out of your control, especially if the team, or and by the team, I mean Montreal, is doing a good job at keeping you the outside and, and limiting those high-danger opportunities. So uh, this is just a simple one. I saw you on Tim and Friends saying that you believe that Montreal is really going to try to be physical, and that's going to include being with Jack Campbell. Where's your level of faith in Jack Campbell right now heading into this series?
7: Well, he's earned the right, no question, to start Game 1. And it... it he gave them some solid goaltending and, and very deserving of that chance to start. But in saying that, you know that that theme is going to have to continue and it's going to have to start uh, the moment the puck drops tonight. And you know Frederick Anderson wants his net back. There's no question about that. And he wants he's got a lot to prove. He's got a contract to 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 play for next season, albeit probably somewhere else. But that that's a real healthy competition right now and. Jack doesn't have a long leash here. uh, I don't think for one second. And you know, the the other factor that comes into play is how healthy is Jack Campbell. We saw him beginning of the new year, lose about a month off of an injury. And I I think that there's some vulnerability there. I I don't think he's completely healthy here. And besides the wear and tear, there's, there's an injury as Sheldon Keefe said that uh, they, they just need to manage. And if they get to him early physically, it could it could play a key role here moving forward. But I think Freddie Anderson's going to play in the playoffs. I just don't know how early it's going to be. But they're going to need two, maybe three goalies when this is all said and done.
0: Do you, do you think that's extremely different for a guy who's been a career backup and then has emerged this year? But when he's emerged, it's been because he's the guy and Frederick Anderson's away from the team and his only competitor is a Michael Hutchison uh, before the trade for, for Riddick. How, how different a mentality is that than you're going into a series and you've been handed this opportunity, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and you've earned it, no doubt, and there's nobody on the other side of this thing. But there are people, and rightly so, like you said, who understand that Frederick Anderson is probably going to be impactful not just in the postseason, but maybe even in this series. How, how different do you think that could be for, for a goaltender?
7: Well, very different and new. Jack Campbell's been a pro for for over 10 years, But this is new to him. This is completely an experience he's never had at the pro level, and that is being the guy in the playoffs and and having the net and raising expectations to say, uh, do it over and over again when you've never done it in the playoffs before. So there's a sense of nerves for him, uh, but he just seems to have, I think, the right attitude. And I think maybe the the best thing that maybe happened to him in the Leafs is that, you know, he went through a small uh, spell earlier this year where he was extremely hard on himself and he he got down on himself to the point where he was making some comments of of blaming himself and Mm -hmm. just too much weight on his shoulders. And maybe he got a learning experience out of that to kind of manage – the mentality uh, of of being a number one goaltender in the playoffs so that might be a a good little experience for him to kind of manage if if he loses a game in overtime or 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 one gets away that he should have had if if he can manage those moments and not get down on himself then i I think he might be ready for this challenge uh, that he's built basically for the last 10 years of his career
1: yeah it was really interesting getting opportunity to speak with Mike Feuda about that and how this has been a, a battle for Campbell throughout his career Get finding that confidence after lulls and trying not to be a little bit overly expressive trying to find that right avenue and yeah I, I think you're right I think he found a lot of that uh, in the back half of him or yeah. his last month as a starter. Like, I, I feel oh. a lot better with where he's at. I Do you think that, like, this is so picked over, right? It's Leafs versus Habs, and we've had eight days or whatever of lead-up between this team playing or the at least Montreal playing. So we've gone over so many things. Do you think that there's something that's being overlooked in this series, whether that's something that's being understated or underrated or uh, a player, something or someone that's not being talked about enough?
7: Well, I think the fact that now Sheldon Keefe is going up against uh, DeSharme. Uh, mm. DeSharme's never been there before, actually. You know, Sheldon Keefe, uh, you know, at times I thought made some not great decisions against Columbus last year in, in, the, in, uh, in the bubble uh, with line matchups or, you know, loading Tavares with Marner and Matthews, a little bit overkill for me. Uh, in, in a critical game all of this will come into play too and, and we'll watch how the dynamic of the coaching uh, uh, battle goes here but there's something to be said about getting the right players out there at the right time uh, managing situations all of that I, I think Sheldon through his experience last year should be able to take his coaching to another level
1: I think that's a really 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 great choice because it's not one I haven't heard one person bring up the coaching like, I haven't. It's, all been, yeah. it's so strange that in a yeah. market like Toronto, like, I've been a Leafs fan my entire life. And, fa- like, I think this is the best. They always say if you're a good stay-at-home defenseman that if people aren't talking about you, that you're doing a great job. And that's Sheldon Keefe, right? It's like my whole life has been people ripping on and blaming coaches. And this last season has been no Keefe talk. So that's a massive win for him. So uh, last one, man. I'm trying to gauge what this means to hockey in this country because it's the two biggest fan bases. It hasn't happened since seventy nine There's not fans in the stands, so we're not going to get the atmosphere that I wish we would get. but this really does feel big to me and I, I like I'm really not trying to overstate it, but like what is what does this just mean to you, man, you've been in hockey your entire life and and we have this series between these two teams at this moment how How are you just feeling about it?
7: I'm like every other Canadian. I think it's fantastic, and yeah. I was able to play in a few Toronto Montreal battles, and I often I often refer to going into Montreal on a Saturday night like a like a little mini Grey Cup weekend, you know, because uh, the, the the lobbies were full of jerseys and fans, and then there were best. fans outside waiting for you on the bus, and and all of that, and it's just an experience unlike any other matchup in this country. Uh, But it's, it's upon, I think right now, the Montreal Canadians to play hard in this series and keep it close. If the Toronto Maple Leafs steamroll them, then, then I I think there's, there's something taken away. I I want a great battle. I want it close. I want to see two teams fighting it out and carrying that tradition that, uh, that makes Canadians so proud. So as long as we have a good series, I think it can match up to the hype.
0: Yeah. Uh, so in a way, I'm kind of hoping for that. In a way, I'm also kind of hoping it gets to a game six that we see 2,500 fans at least see this thing in person. But yeah, and in, in another very different way, I
1: hope the Leafs sweep is series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mostly that way <laughs> is what I hope for.
7: Yeah. <laughs> Leaf fans don't want to see a great series, man. They want yeah. to see it. they want to see steamrolling.
0: Yeah. yeah. And we'll see. We've we got it. a pretty good indication uh, tonight. Nick, uh, always appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this.
7: Thanks, man. Hey, no problem, guys. Always, uh, always here for you.
0: <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, Nick Kiprios, director of hoc- hockey operations for Line Movement Little Buddha. This is Drink. Check it out where drinks are sold, which is one place, LCBO.
1: And good show is our podcast, and so is the Leafs Sour. And if you subscribe to either of those things, you might get a bonus pod here or there throughout the postseason, depending on how deep the Leafs go and what ends up happening in this thing. We've done them before, and this is that time of year where emergency podcasts start to crop up. So if you enjoy this show, please subscribe. Please review it. But, yeah, it's available on all of your platforms. And, again, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at jdbunkus and at sportsnetben if you want really – Bad takes from Ben and really insightful, well, incredible stuff from me. You know who wants um, my
0: takes on Twitter? Edge just followed me on Twitter.
1: Oh, that's awesome! Rated R superstar, loving it. Yeah, uh, I'm also going to be. Born and I are doing a series where we're posting our picks. We just posted one up on Twitter right now. It's going to be on our Instagram stories too. Best bets for the postseason. But, yeah, it's going to be a routine thing, especially when it comes to the North Division, making sure that we do have you covered there with bets and stuff. So, and again, if you ever do want um, anything uh, when it comes to gambling, just shoot me a DM. That's the best way to reach me is on Instagram, and then just do that. And if you if you need something, I'll, I'll try to set you up. Uh, the Keefe thing is a really great point by Kipper. And it's something that's really, really overlooked. You and I, I think, are both proponents of coaches are, you just don't want them working actively against you. Which mm-hmm. So our our boy Christopher Stieg yesterday had an awesome Instagram story, speaking of Instagram, where, like, I can't wait to talk to him. He loves the Oilers. It's so funny. He He's doing his golf club thing, and he's pointing at the TV, and he's talking really insightfully about the game, but he brought up the coaching and how Edmonton – shot themselves in a foot by the way that they deployed McDavid last night and not giving him enough skill to play with throughout the game and that it was too late when they put him with dry saddle chasing a goal should have been doing it earlier in the game and I feel like Keefe learned a lot from that last series about against Columbus where it's kind of similar to Dubas where you've got these theories, you've got these things, and every once in a while just the, the best solution is just to do what's simple. And I know that he's a line juggler and he likes to tinker and he likes to hear new ideas and all of this different stuff and he wanted the shutdown line and maybe Felino down the lineup and maybe try to get cheeky with a Galchenyuk so you can have some goal scoring. You know what he did? He just loaded his top six. He made the best checking line that he possibly could for the third line, and he put his veteran players that are going to be of greater import in a fourth line altogether, the urgency line is what we should be calling them. And then he also put the goaltender who has been playing better in net and the defenseman who's been playing better as the sixth guy. And everything is just straightforward. There's no overthinks here. There's no William Nylander playing center. There's no tinkering. There's just, this is what makes the most sense for the team. He's doing it, and I'm thrilled with it. And again, the less we talk about Sheldon Keefe, the better. Because the worst takes that come from hockey fans are about coaches, right? You agree? Across all professional sports? Is there anything that's worse than coaching takes?
0: Well... I would have to go through my mental Rolodex, but all for the, the 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 purpose of agreeing with
1: you, I'll say yes. Thanks. Thank you. God. Make it so hard sometimes. No Keith talk is good Keith talk. <laughs> but He's that like being Bogosian, said, or yeah. t- it's just, you know, I don't want to hear about Bogosian in this series. Yeah. I don't want to hear Sermon. about Brody in this series. Like, um, I don't want to hear about Keith.
0: I don't either. And I don't think you will need to. And I think part of the reason we haven't broke da- broken down his impact on this series is that I think in a perfect world, he doesn't have to do anything. He just presses the button. He says, make Leafs go now. Mm-hmm. And the, the door opens up, and that's it. There's not a lot of adjustments needed because they just overwhelm them with skill, with even their physicality, with even their depth, with all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it. But that being said, there is an element of risk in what he's done here. He's putting a player in the middle of that third line, that checking line, that punt line that has not played in months, a game, a professional hockey league game. And like we talked to CJ, there's reasons to believe that that'll be absolutely fine. And I think even more risky than that, despite the fact that we'd probably all make the same decision, but a lot of head coaches wouldn't throw pretty young and inexperienced player into a pretty significant role on the blue line in Rasmus Sandin. But he's not afraid. That's the one thing about Sheldon Keefe I think I've learned in his brief tenure as head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs is that, yeah, he'll adjust and maybe be a little bit too mad scientisty at times, but he ain't scared. He ain't scared at all. And I can take the easy route. But there's not a decision he's made that I would make the opposite. I'm
1: trying to think right now if they lost what the adjustment would be. Outside of goaltending, obviously, because goaltending is the most obvious thing in this entire series, right? It always is. It's like, and and it sucks because it's actually a correct take where you go, well, it's all going to come down to goaltending. You're like, ah, yeah, like everything my whole life is just like this one position, one guy lets in one bad goal, and that's the sport. But, the levers that keith would pull if things don't go right like what do you start to do like i, I don't know because i don't think that any of the that It's like the over tinkering yeah the over stuff is like with the lineup i don't want to see pierre engvall i don't care how many goals he scored in the meaningless games i don't want to see alex galchenyuk because i don't trust him and neither does keith and i said it man i got to say you got you never even gave me any of the i hate when you make me do this but it's like i was right about everything I said sandine <laughs> gonna get in no you don't you don't. you make me do it because you just you're. I don't know what it is about you you just you can't give credit to others are you, you say it privately you praising
0: my Alec Manoa take that you came around on
1: see like you can't even do it for it's a second it. I was like Alex Galchenyuk's playing well on the second line because he's no, a placeholder right. for who they get Nick Foligno playoff start guess what Nick Felino. That's, that's who's correct. going there Bing. Check, Mark. got, it. You got it. They're not going to play Engval. They're going to go third line. They're going to go punt. They're not going to put Hyman down there. Check, check. They're going to put Riley Nash in over Engval. Check, check. Everybody who's on the Engval gang for the entire season, like, Engval, he's a guy. And no, nope. Sandine, going to play. No, the Engval gang, uh, led by Stu Monroe, Anthony Stewart, who for whatever reason loves Pierre to Pals? hitch his wagon to the worst guys. Yeah, oh, Pierre Powell's is good. I like Pierre Pals. I'm sticking with that one. But this is the right. This is the right Leafs roster. Top to bottom, everybody's in the right place to succeed. And I, again, the fan in me is screaming that this is too comfortable and this is a too great of a place to be. It's a trap. The rational side of my brain that has looked at this team for an entire season and has watched the Montreal Canadiens and sees the position that Carey Price is in and that Brendan Gallagher, who's their best player, is in and who Shea Weber is in and says... This should be a body bagging. This should be an absolute zip-up situation where the Habs don't even know they're in the body bag yet. All the Leafs need to do is zip it up to the top.
0: Yeah. The one adjustment when you said, hey, you don't see what the adjustment would be, game one to two, if you lost the game. And, of course, yeah, how it goes... Would impact this but one of the scenarios is that that second line is not creating enough offense and it's not just like the lack of five on five goals or points that John Tavares and William Nylander held off the short uh, score sheet entirely basically in that five game series against Columbus last year but over the last two years, two playoff series, William Nylander has had one high danger scoring opportunity and I'm not saying that's going to happen here but that's the one scenario is where mm-hmm. okay, what what's going on here? You need at least them. You know, like honestly, the rest of the of the the other six forwards creating offense is a bonus to a degree. Gotta have scoring from that second line. Gotta have something. Gotta create something. Mm-hmm. So that could be potentially the adjustment you look at for a game two. You know who they need if they get to overtime, especially one of the all-time clutch playoff performers in Leafs history. Steve Thomas. Uh, We will talk to Stumpy next. It is Good Show. Ben Ennis, J.D. Bunkus, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Our next guest has uh, an idea of how to succeed in the postseason. 54 career National Hockey League playoff goals. It is uh, one of the great Leafs over the last 20-plus years. Uh, Steve Thomas joins us online right now steve how's it going thanks for doing this
5: hey good morning jets thanks for having me on
0: yeah thanks for doing this uh you as as someone that is i mean you played for a bunch of teams but obviously people in our listening area remember you as a key member of some pretty good leafs teams uh what is your emotional level going into this first series against the canadians since 1979
5: well it's uh it's kind of a long time coming um a playoff series with uh um, you know, a rival that has been around for so long for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and, and uh, I'm really looking forward to tonight's game. Uh, I've been watching some of the other playoff games, and uh, it's been unbelievable hockey, uh, especially that Tampa and uh, Florida series. That first game was one of the most exciting games I've seen in a long, long time, but I'm looking forward to uh, to watching the Leafs tonight and cheering them on. As you know, I've got blue blood running through my, my veins, so it's... Uh, it's uh, it's going to be an exciting night. A good night to have a cold well, beer that's... and watch
1: some hockey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely it is. And uh, it's funny. Whenever I used to think about yourself, I would always think, like, uh, as an, a Leafs alumni guy, it was, like, not a disservice, but it was always strange because, like, you were uh, an England-born guy, and so you were always the early Leafs fan trivia. It's like how many guys were born in England. It's like Steve Thomas from England. It's like you're a Markham legend. Like, that is you. You are a Markham guy through and through. And And I wonder – About the kind of communication that maybe you have with alumni who are from the area and what it means to you guys specifically. Because, yes, of course, it means a lot to guys who wore the sweater and other guys have stayed here and made homes here and all of those things. But they're to Leafs who, you know, were Leafs fans before they wore the blue and white.
5: Yeah, you know what? I've been a I've been a Leaf fan my my entire life. I, I remember uh, oftentimes my my dad would send me upstairs to put my pajamas on. I get to watch the first period of the Leaf game and uh, and uh, maybe Peter Puck uh, at the end of the first period. But uh, yeah, you know what? There's a, there's quite a number of guys that uh, that I chat with every now and then. Um, Darcy Tucker being one. I talked to to, Dar- um, to Ty and uh, you know some of the older guys that uh, that I played with over the you know the the six years that I that I'd had a, the great opportunity of playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but yeah, Markham's my hometown. I uh, uh, my mom still lives up there, and um, it's uh, you know um, you know it, it's 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 kind of tough when you do, you don't see the guys that you play with uh, for quite a while, and uh, but when you do run into them, you oftentimes it's it's almost like they're. Hasn't been that much water under the bridge. Uh, You just uh, remember all the great stories, how you went to war with each other and uh, uh, how you were on a a team that was successful. And, you know, those are the things we talk about. But it's it's a true honour to know that, um, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to put the blue and white on and and to be a guy from Toronto, uh, Mark and Mary specifically, um, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal for me, and uh, and the, all the alumni events that we uh, we take part in, we get the, a chance to, you know, uh, share stories with each other again, have a beer, and uh, and just uh, talk about old times.
1: Yeah, I, I just I got to imagine that it resonates differently with a guy who, you know, played in the OHL for a team that like is now owned by the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? And who is like, who was a waxer and who lived here and who, yeah, was raised here and just knows what this means, where it's like, hey, listen, you played on some good Leafs teams and there have been good Leafs teams before this. But if you just look at the setup of not only just starting right out of the gate with Montreal, where there's just so much fan equity, but. The fact that they're going to be favored through two rounds to get to a conference final after getting bounced the way that they have been after the lack of success since the salary cap was put in, it's just like, it's a lot to absorb In yeah, it's a lot to absorb for, for real fans of this team, for people who are really connected to this team.
5: Well, I just think the players have to understand that they've had a tremendous season this year and last uh, regular seasons. We stumbled a little bit in the playoffs, but um I think the matchups in the first first round or, or even second round, and I won't get too far ahead of myself because we have to admit that the Montreal Canadiens are a pretty darn good team, and they're steeped in in success. So um, uh, they're getting some guys back, so it's going to be a good test for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But they have to understand uh, and believe in in the success that they've had throughout the course of this season. Uh, they, they've they've followed the the uh, the system that their coaching staff has put into place they picked up a, a couple of players that have had will add some tremendous re, um uh, leadership qualities to their team and and i just i just think that you know when it's all said and done whether they make it to, uh, to the stanley cup final or not um they just have to understand that they cannot have any regrets they can't be doing something uh when it's all over and say wow i should have done this i should have done that this is a great opportunity for this hockey team and uh man, are we ever starving for some success around here?
1: Oh, God, please. Like, I just, please <laughs> don't have this go the bad way. I'm not prepared. I've already made a million jokes about how I have to go live in the woods if the Habs win this series, but it's like, it's actually painfully close to reality, and so, yeah, you, you mentioned, it's like, live with no regrets, and and I gotta believe that some of what is different this year is that Toronto has a different veteran presence around this team day in, day out, and I don't know sometimes if we overstate this, and I know that it's it's a different league from when you played in terms of just, like, the average age of guys, and, like, I don't even know how much you would have felt like an older player even when you were in Toronto for the second tour when you're, like, 35, because lots of guys uh-huh. were probably 35, right? So, right. I don't know if you were looking at it like, I'm a vet, like, now you'd be, like, people would be, like, every story would be about how Steve Thomas, how is he doing it at 35, you know, like, that's <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) That's how this would be going in these playoffs. But, you know, as you started to get older and you started to get to these spots where it would become playoff time, you know, and again, you played a lot of minutes. Like I looked at it the other day and it was like, yeah, you played like 20, 20, and I think 15 a night for Toronto in those three playoff runs at the end. But how did, you know, your game shift when it came to this time of year, especially, yeah, as you did get a little bit older?
5: well I think with, with with every game um um leading up to that you're you're gaining experience i think i I didn't start to become um like a like a more rounded hockey player until I was in my early thirties. I had some tremendous coaches in, in Al arbor and Jacques Lemaire and uh you know mike babcock and and these are guys that taught me. How to play the game the right way, uh, both ends of the rink. More of a 200-foot game rather than when I first started out. at being more of a, uh, you know, uh, uh, more on the offensive side than than than, than having defense being more of secondary for me. But that you, you can't play in the league unless you know how to play some defense. So I, I I I I must have to say that that some of the coaches that I had throughout the course of my career. Uh, gave me the opportunity to be the player that is able to contribute at that level when I got older and um and you know i I just loved the playoffs. I just thought that um if it, it was' an, you know i 'd never won a cup and 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 the opportunity to vie for that Stanley Cup, which is you know something that every young hockey player every hockey player throughout their course of their lives. You know, score the winning goal on the driveway. You know, and and uh, to win the Stanley Cup, but I, I think it's a process along the way. Um, I think you you learn not only how to play the game the proper way, but you also lead, learn uh, leadership skills. Um, uh, you know how to prepare, how to eat properly, sleeping. Uh, there's a lot of factors that come into play uh, as you get uh, you know your your career gets a little bit longer. And um, I think what you do is you take all those factors and you, and you put them into one, and now you're ready for the playoffs. Um, and, and it was just a, an opportunity. Where I just loved to play in the playoffs, and I got myself very much ready to play. And I didn't want uh, to be the guy that, uh, that all you uh, um, media guys were, were talking <laughs> badly about. So it, that, that, in a certain way, kind of spurred me on as well. You never was Yeah,
0: Yeah, because it was too early. I wasn't in media then yet. I was watching the games at home.
5: You're you're probably like seven. Yeah. (laughs) I
0: was like, yeah, 15. But, yeah, uh, close to that. Uh, But, yeah, 18 goals in that three-year span in the postseason for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Sheldon Keefe has done a, a great job with this team. But, again, not somebody you would turn to for experience because he's never been here before. The experience and guys that have been through the post-season wars are on that fourth line, the Spetsas and the Thornton's and the Wayne Simmons. What kind of an impact do you think they're going to have on this series?
5: Well, I really think they've had an impact all year. I mean, um, um, you know, when you have Jumbo out there and Spetza, and, and Wayne Simmons have been through the battles for, the you know, the, as long as they have, you know, 15 years plus, um um, that's inval- That's that's really valuable um, um, uh, leadership, and and, and uh, you know it, it's you know you got the younger players, and, and it looks to me like some all these younger players have looked to those guys to to um, to gain those um, you know that, that experience that, that those guys have, have brought to the table. You can even throw Felino in there, and, and uh, you know with his leadership qualities, um, um, you know John Tavares with the success that he's had um and these young guys are like in our days are like are like sponges they just suck that stuff up and and they take that into their next games and and uh i, I only think it's just a benefit uh, for for all the younger players and, and i'm sure the older guys are seeing the, the younger guys um like matthews and marner and, and 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 get inspired by the way they play as well
1: so i know that a lot of former players don't really like to talk about some of these discussions when they're not a part of the team because they know what it's like when outsiders do comment on it. But, you know, even if we're just like looking at it from you being a fan vantage point, you know, as someone who did play so much of the conversation about the Leafs going into this season was they needed to get tougher and they needed to get have a more mature style of play. And mm-hmm. toughness, we've said a million times, is uh, a word that gets applied to various different things. It's kind of like whatever you determine the word to mean. But when you see this Maple Leafs team, the 2021 Maple Leafs, do you see a tougher and more mature team?
5: I do. I do. And and, and you're right. By you know, toughness is something that's not just dropping your gloves and having a fight with a big guy it's it's um it's winning puck battles in the corners it's um having that determination to beat the guy that's beside you uh that's that's um you know competing against you uh uh it's you know being able to um uh, deal with adversities throughout the course of, uh, of the season but even more magnified throughout the course of a playoff round um that that to me is is toughness uh um, sticking together as a group uh, having each other's back uh, um, that that for that to me is 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 what uh, team toughness is not just individual toughness and and i think that's really that's a huge part of, of going going uh, through the playoffs with some success
0: you would know uh you had a lot of it <laughs> uh steve this was great thanks for doing this thanks, thanks, man. thanks so much for having me
5: i appreciate it very much yeah now i'm going to watch the pga championship
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, enjoy it. Smart. Oh, and I've been, loving the,
5: I've been loving the Blue Jays. I think they're an exciting uh, oh, uh, baseball
1: team, boy. Oh. And
5: there hasn't been a whole lot to do through this pandemic, so I'm getting all <laughs> caught up on my sports. <laughs> no, the
1: sports, you're telling me. Yeah, the sports have been uh, a savior, especially through this. You can't play golf, but you can watch PGA, and can't go down to the Rogers Center, where you can watch the Blue Jays on TV, and you're right, man. They've been awesome. Well,
5: thank goodness for that, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Yeah. Take okay. care, man.
5: Thanks very much. Bye-bye.
0: Uh, Steve Thomas. Uh, one of her, the best. Toronto Maple Leaf amongst other teams over a 20-year yeah. career.
1: So there's certain – like we do this a lot when it comes to like Toronto and we go, who are the fan favorites, you know? Like it's always like yeah. the plucky guys who – and Steve Thomas is – it's the rudest guy that we throw in that conversation when we're like Toronto loves guys like – John McDonald and Steve. T- it's like no, no, no. That's not the way. It is it's like you're, you're conflating the one guy like a lot. You're putting one guy in a bucket. This is like Steve Thomas was like really, really good and really clutch and had like a really long career and scored a ton of goals and like made all-star teams and like yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he's the like he's uh, the number one in the power rankings for. I feel like most misunderstood. Looking back at what a guy was. Like no, that's the type of blue call it. Yeah. I know. Yeah. But people talk about him sometimes. Like he just was out there. Like what a story. You know, just out there. Like no, no, no. no. He was like they were like leaning on him, and he was. Yeah, gigantic. had
0: 73 points and 78 yeah. games in 98, 99, and then followed yeah. that up with again another incredible postseason performance. And when overtime started, there was no. Uh, Bucci Gross overtime mm. challenge, but he was always. If there was, it would be like uh, Steve Thomas and yeah, no one else because
1: no, he was. I, I actually, th- my theory is, and maybe if we talk to him again, Because I've actually thought about this before. But my theory as to why he gets put into the like blue collar guy thing is because uh, his nickname is Stumpy, mm-hmm. and people are like the guy named Stumpy is, is like yeah, but it's like the guy whose nickname Stumpy is the he's <laughs> a grinder. <laughs> You're like <laughs> no. Anyway, that was a real treat. Uh, I, I, that's one of my like, yeah, first childhood when he was joking around about how old you were. I was like, yeah, that's really, that really was one of my like first, you know, fan favorite guys where you know you'd love to watch that guy play. He was just a universally beloved player, and he was a great guy to speak with today because. I do believe that a lot of what is going to determine Toronto's success is obviously the superstars up front. No duh. Like, Austin Matthews is the most important player to the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's more important than Jack Campbell. They have a thing. If Jack Campbell doesn't work out, they can turn to Freddie Anderson. It's not the worst thing in the world, right? And Mm -hmm. the Leafs just need average goaltending. We did this with Kevin Woodley last week. They just need average goaltending, and they should be fine in the North Division. You know what they can't have? Average Austin Matthews. He's got to be a bona fide superstar. They can't have average John Tavares. Both those guys have to be dominant in this series. But one of the other things, like I said, determining factors is going to be the urgency that some of these guys have brought to the rank and knowing that when they're going to be in dressing rooms looking at Joe Thornton and looking at Wayne Simmons and looking at Jason Spezza, I don't believe those guys are ever going to take a shift off. When you talk about teams or, sorry, lines where you're going to feel like they are in it, that line is going to make it feel like it's a playoff game. Whenever they're on the ice, it's going to feel very, very playoffsy. It's not going to feel like yesterday with the Edmonton game. Look at what happened with Clifford and Spezza last year. I believe it's going to be the exact same thing with that group this season. And my hope and my theory is is that the energy, the life, the standard in which that group holds might get a little overstated by guys like me who are a little sentimental about the sport, but that there is going to be a trickle-down effect. You and I talk about top-to-bottom organizations and how that works out and how... Clearly, there was a mandate that Dubas put in with the roster this year. It's being executed by their head coach to perfection. They've got stars, but everybody's bought in. And, and I just feel like those veteran players, those leaders of this group, are still going to set the emotional and physical standard of this series and that it's going to be why Toronto unlocks that next key of their potential or part of why they're going to unlock that next key of their potential.
0: Steve's right that those guys were impactful during the regular season and different guys at different times and Spezza basically the whole
1: season long.
0: Again, points per 60 in the top 30 in the whole National Hockey League for Jason Spezza. But the reason the other two guys, Thornton and Simmons, were brought in is for today. Mm -hmm. It's for today. It's for the series. It's for the next two months, ideally, if you're a Leafs fan. There was some sleepy-looking hockey in the five-game series against the Columbus Blue Jackets, and particularly in game number one, in which Mitch Marner said he wasn't up for it, wasn't starting on time. Mm -hmm. It has to start right away. It has to start first shift. And I got to figure that, yeah, the major part of acquiring those veterans and the attitude that they bring is for days like today.
1: This is perfect days like today. I'm nervous. I'm excited. I'm anxious. I'm confident. This is what it's all about.
0: Yes. Uh, And then we'll recalibrate and we'll evaluate how you felt today in comparison Mm -hmm. to the reality of what's going to happen in seven and a half hours tonight. And how that impacted Mm -hmm. your feeling throughout the course of a three-hour hockey game, potentially more and whether you would do it again and whether you need to recalibrate your emotional equity for game two of this series. Because I can't wait to do... As much as today's show was fun, it was fun as hell. And getting to talk to some Leafs alumni and seeing how still invested they are, despite the fact that Steve Thomas not only played with a bunch of teams, worked for teams since he was a player. Like, he's a local guy. and Please. Yeah, you always come back to your roots and, hey, listen, I'll be a mercenary. You want to hire me, Seattle Kraken? I'll go work PR for your team. I'll do some broadcasting for the Kraken. As soon as I get fired, be back here in Toronto, looking at the Toronto Maple Leafs the same way. As much as this show was fun, I I can't wait to be emotionally invested again in a hockey game, which feels like forever, man, forever with this hockey team. Because you're right, as far as, yeah, they haven't played a regular season game in eight days or whatever. They haven't played a meaningful game in how long? 4-1
1: Leafs tonight. 4-1 Leafs in the series. Let's go. All right.
0: Uh, I think it's going a little bit longer, and I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. I think that's how the postseason goes. I think you got a bunch of close games in this series. I think it's going to be entertaining and heart-wrenching, but the Leafs come out on top in six games, and today they win 2-1 in overtime. All right. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about it. Uh, Enjoy the game, everybody. See you then. Bye-bye.